Welcome to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And we are here to bring you the apocalyptic review of that, which is known as X-Men Apocalypse. Not X-Men Age of Apocalypse. No way. That would have been like a lawsuit in the waiting to happen. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that, but hey, why not? Adam, did you see X-Men Apocalypse? No. What are we talking about? Oh, dang it. I was really uh, hoping we could do a review podcast this week. Yes. Yes. Yes, I did see the movie. Okay, perfect. Because <laughs> uh, that, that, that actually works out really well because I also saw the movie. And since we both saw the movie, now we can, you know, give the internet what it's been waiting for, what it's been craving, longing oh, for. We've had so many requests to do this. Uh, if you weren't able to get your voicemail in or your email in, it's it's just because those boxes of messages have been overflowing with excitement. It's true. Questions. Just people want to know. Google wrote us a letter telling us why we were taking up so much space because no one was able to save any of their email messages. Do you want to know why the internet was slow on Sunday and Monday? because Why? people were trying to get a hold of us to try to, to ask us what was going on with this movie. Oh, man. Yo. Yo. Yeah. So, anyways, we did see the movie, and uh, we we've, we want to talk about it, obviously, because that's what we, we do here. So, uh, settle in. Settle in. This may be, uh, I'm going to say this is going to be longer than the trailer review that we did, which, honestly, was only like 10 minutes, because... It, we spent the rest of the time talking about Star Wars. Yes. And hey, maybe we could spend like 15 minutes talking about this movie and the rest of the time talking about Captain America Civil War. Oh, let's talk about the Rogue One trailer. Oh, man. Yeah. Screw this. <laughs> <laughs> there was TIE fighters in Rogue One <laughs> and uh, many Bothan spies. Any Bothans. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to talk about, first of all, we're going to talk about kind of our thoughts on the movie, which should hopefully kind of swirl into some sort of a review of the movie. Uh, we want to talk about a little bit of X-Men timeline stuff, and then we want to talk a little bit about what could possibly be in the future for the X-Men. So try to keep it linear, but you know how it goes. We will probably fall off the rails a few times. And um, spoilers going to be lots of spoilers. We're, we're not saving anything. Nope. Everything's going to be ruined. If you haven't seen the movie yet, you don't want to be listening to this. And if you haven't seen other X-Men movie in the X-Men cinematic universe, we're going to spoil those. I'm probably going to spoil those as well. So it will all be spoiled. Spoiled, spoiled, spoiled. So, Although maybe not through the review part where we just talk about it, but we'll, we'll try to let you know when it's going to get really bad with spoilers. I have a, I have a feeling. Uh, it's going to be bad the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's no holds barred. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know, Adam, there's really nothing to, there's, there's no twist to save. Oh, that was a spoiler. Damn. Sorry. <laughs> All right, let's jump into it, Adam. What did you think of the movie? I'm still not sure. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I, I, that's fair. Um, I'm actually hoping that this will help me decide because watching the movie, I was I, I I both enjoyed it and I both didn't enjoy it. And I feel like there were parts of it that I liked a lot and there were parts of it that I hated. Yeah. And um, I feel like it was a good movie, but maybe not a great movie. X-Men movie. So I'm very conflicted and I haven't really I haven't really decided yet. Okay, that's fair. Um I I I would say that I'm probably in the same camp 
but I might actually be a little bit more forgiving. Uh, and the reason for that is, you know, I, I went into this movie with zero expectations. We we watched the trailer. We talked about the trailer for literally seven minutes and then spent another hour and 42 minutes talking about Star Wars. So I came into and then, oh, right before I watched the movies, I went and checked the Rotten Tomato you know, meter or counter or whatever. And it was 44% rotten. And to, to give you some contrast, Captain America Civil War was 90% fresh. Hmm. Um, honestly, I don't think either of those is fair. Um, I will say, in my opinion, Captain America Civil War was better. But I guess we should probably just avoid the, the comparing and contrasting. But Well, uh, if we're going to compare and contrast, obviously... Batman versus Superman was the bomb. <laughs> Way better superhero movie of the year. And I haven't even seen Doctor Strange yet. That's going <laughs> to suck. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, this <laughs> this was better than, in my opinion, better than uh, Batman v Superman. But anyways, yeah, so uh, went in with super low expectations and was watching the movie. And, you know, not, not once was I like, man, is this thing going to get over yet? Uh, or is this thing over? Um, um, and I enjoyed it. But but as we talk about it, I, I have a feeling that this is going to feel like to the listener uh, that that I didn't like it. So it, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. I think based on what you just said, I think we can both agree that it is not a bad movie. It, it is a good movie. I don't. I, I, uh, huh. That let's. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's gonna. We're gonna have to do this whole thing, and at the end, kind of come to 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 a decision, maybe or or, or maybe. Not. I don't. Okay. Okay. So fair enough. In the, so, it, but before before we get into it, it from from an X Men uh, uh, universe uh, movie comparison, the way I look at this is that it was. Uh, Far and above better than X-Men 3. Okay. Uh, I think it was better than X-Men Origins Wolverine, and I think it was better than The Wolverine. Well, two of those movies don't exist anymore in this timeline. Oh, and we'll talk about that. Don't you worry. <laughs> My friend, we will talk about that. All right. So I want to do this. I want to do this. Uh, I want to talk about the movie. This is where we get to the spoilers. But I want to start. Let's start with the opening scene and we'll, we'll move progressively through the movie. And we'll just talk about bits and pieces of the movie, how we felt about those bits and pieces. So did you have anything about the opening scene with the apocalypse, passing the mantle, all that stuff? I didn't care. The, the biggest thing for me is that um, I'm coming at this... Uh, I'm coming at Apocalypse from what I know of Apocalypse, which is basically his appearances in um, X Factor, right? So he, he kind of came out of nowhere. He was all kind of powerful, and he didn't really have the Egyptian background at that point. I'm guessing that came much later in uh, X-Men lore. Um, so I don't know. I didn't really care one way or the other. I that. also am not too familiar with him to the point that I'm not very familiar with his power set. Uh, I thought he was a shape changer. He is. And so he, we didn't we didn't see much of that. We didn't. We got misled by the trailer. Yeah, that's true. But that was a good misleading. I like misleadings like that. Yeah. No, it was fine. Um, no, I didn't care. Uh, it was interesting, I guess, uh, the, 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 what, what they were trying to convey is that in 3000 B B.C., there were mutants. It wasn't just Apocalypse. Apocalypse uh, may have been the first mutant, but other mutants uh, existed and uh, were his um, his four horsemen, uh, and then they were the ones that protected him while he did his little his little rebirth thing. Um, that was that was interesting. I guess it was well done. It was well executed. Yeah, the whole scene here. here uh, can compare and contrast uh, X Men th this movie versus Civil War's uh, opening. Uh, when I was watching Civil War's opening, like that camera wouldn't stop shaking to the point where I was like, I don't know what's going on, and my eyes and my head hurt. The opening of this movie had. 
you know, rocks falling and pyramids collapsing and shaking and all this sort of stuff. And the camera probably shook, but it wasn't so obnoxious that it was like, oh, I can't look at this. Fortunately for Civil War, it settled down the shaky cam. So that <laughs> that's one thing I can kind of like give point to this movie. Did you think that uh, old Apocalypse before he transported his or transferred his body into Oscar Isaac looked a little bit like Davros? <laughs> uh, no, and but that, I, I see that, where you're coming the, from. And that the opening, the opening intro felt a little bit like Doctor Who. It totally. Because you were, you were kind of traveling through time. Yeah. It, into the future. It, that, I haven't really thought about that until you just brought it up. But the, the opening sequence, the title sequence. And I mean, they always do kind of like the, the genome zoomy thing ever since uh, the first X-Men movie. But this kind of felt out of uh, place. But it was fun. It worked. It was fine. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not, I don't know, I can't, uh, recreate all the scenes in order, so I might get some of these out of order. But, uh, the next thing that I uh, noted that was Magneto has taken up residence in Poland. Uh, he has a family, he has a daughter. It's been 10 years since the last movie. Um, and he's working in a plant. I guess he's hiding away. Um, and he saves somebody's life with his powers. Yeah, I got no problem with any of this. In fact, I would, I would expand that to, to include, um, uh, Mystique as well, because both of them were key people in that whole uh, showdown on the Capitol grounds. Um, Magneto on the negative side, Mystique on the positive side, but both are kind of rejecting that and have tried to disappear into the uh, into the background. And obviously, in this movie, it doesn't work for Magneto, and he has to use his powers to save. Uh, well, he doesn't have to, but he chooses to. He's 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 trying to turn a corner, trying to be a good guy. And, and in, it, it, upon doing this, he realizes that okay, his family has to leave now. Which right. that, that that comes a little bit later. But speaking of Mystique. Um, and here's where we'll get our first kind of real discussion. Uh, we have Nightcrawler and Angel uh, fighting in a cage match. Yeah. And that's where Mystique, we first see Mystique. Yeah. So uh, Nightcrawler's fantastic. Love, I mean, he's great. I, I can't say anything negative about him uh, in the entire movie. He's way more effective in this movie than he has been in the current comic run that, that, <laughs> that we're covering anyways. Uh, yeah. No, Nightcrawler was fantastic, I thought. But then there was Angel. Um, well, Angel, now, I, now got, I will say this for Angel. He has a rocking 80s haircut. Yeah, I got a couple of problems with Angel. Uh, oh, and one, I guess, uh, yeah, no. Uh, uh, well, the biggest problem, I guess, I, I have with Angel, in the, I guess this refers to the timeline. So I don't know. We won't want to save that for later. But he's featured in X-Men 3 as a teenager. And here he is in this movie, which takes place in 1983 as a teenager. Oh, and well. I know yeah. what you're going to say. Speaking of that. <laughs> yeah. Everybody is ten years older, and yet nobody has aged. <laughs> well, right, and and the same. So, so James McAvoy, you could say when they showed flashbacks of him with Moira McTaggart. Spoilers, I'm getting ahead of myself. He does look younger. He looks like he has aged a little bit, uh, even though in in real life it's probably been what six years. Six years. <laughs> but it's supposed to be uh, twenty years that that they've aged. So, right, nobody really looks like they've aged. Because uh, X Men First Class took place in 1962, this movie takes place in 1983. But but that aside, I mean, I guess if that's what you're going to say is like mutants just don't age normally, then I guess well, I no, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say that. Um, what I'm going to say is that this angel probably isn't the other angel. Um, oh, oh, I guess you're right because they never do say his name is Warren Worthington. Yeah, he's, he's just a and to be mutant. fair, okay. they don't. He, he doesn't have much dialogue. 
Uh, he doesn't. They don't ever really actually call him Angel. They, uh, the the announcer says he is an angel. Apocalypse. They never they never actually call him. They call Nightcrawler a devil. So Apocalypse uh, does not call him like Angel proper noun, but he does. He uh, getting ahead of myself again when he imbues his uh, metal wings on a, on this person with wings. He says, uh, you know, come to me, my angel, or something like that. Right. But yes, nobody ever refers to him as it. Okay. Anyways, yeah, he he uh, he was all right. <laughs> How did you feel about the Blob cameo? I thought that was uh, uh, I don't know. I don't even know if that was fan service. <laughs> it's 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 fan service. I mean, that's all you can call it. It was uh, there was no other reason to put it in the movie other than for fan service. Yeah, but I mean, that just basically means that in. X-Men Origins Wolverine, he's getting beaten up. And in this movie, he gets beaten up. So the blob's the character that you use to get beat up. <laughs> um, I don't know. His character design was equally as bad as it was in the Wolverine movie. Uh, well, this this appeared to be a, a uh, based on his like first couple of issues like the like issue six or whatever the first appearance of the blob yeah he had yeah well he had what looked like a blob costume on from the comics i guess this is my main beef with this movie was that there was a lot of fan service but none of it really understood what the fans actually want maybe uh yeah i mean yeah i'm looking maybe not i don't know i'm not really sure what i'm trying to say Looking at it from a timeline perspective, Blob Blob is right at home there. I mean, this movie eighty three X Men Origins uh, again. Wolverine X Men's Origins did not happen in this timeline. That's not true, and we'll talk about that <laughs> when we get to that point. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, yeah, um, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't really care one way or the other about the. I wish the Blob would have had more. I guess any just even a little bit more. Like the professor could have been like, "Hey, Blob, we need you to come help." Because Apocalypse is a really bad dude and we need some more mutants and Blob could be like, no. And then <laughs> and that have been it. Fine. Move on. <laughs> um, Nightcrawler, dis, uh, as they fight, Nightcrawler destroys Angel's wings. Well, he does and he doesn't. Like uh, Mystique comes in and like throws the power on the electrified gate up to 11 for some reason. And then Angel like chides him on to be like, you got to fight or they're going to kill us. And that's I when thought she turned it off. I thought she turned it up because when he hits the fence, it like zaps and fizzles and that's what kind of wrecks his wings. Well, doesn't he hit the fence before she turned it off? I'm pretty sure she turns it up and then Nightcrawler does the thing, which I think is supposed to indicate that his wings are damaged, but it doesn't. Then then eventually she turns it off and then he flies away. But when Why doesn't we, Nightcrawler bamf out of the cage? Well, that's the big flaw in this whole scene, right? I mean- Angel's like, you got to fight or we'll die. So why doesn't Nightcrawler just grab Angel and teleport away? And one wow. could say, well, he can only teleport to things that he can see or where he's been, which he actually says in the movie. However, well, apparently <laughs> he's seen the alley outside of the night, wherever they are pretty well, because he as soon as they escape after Mystique turns off the lever, uh, he teleports Mystique and himself out into the alley. Yes, there, so, are, there are easily two scenes where the rules that he lays out for his powers, he doesn't follow. Yes. That was one of them. But other than and, that... And we'll get to the other one. <laughs> other than that, though, I mean, his fighting in the ring, I mean, it was just like uh, X-Men 2 when he's bamfing all over the uh, all over the place. Uh, and and I, I, really, I really liked him as a character. His, uh, just his little... Oh, I'm Nightcrawler and his little jokes and stuff. I liked him a lot. Um, so we then get to see Scott Summers. We see a little bit of Scott Summers' story. This is like a retelling of uh, his 
origin in Wolverine Origins, and sort he, of. Yeah. It's, so, it's similar, right? Yeah. I have a note about this. I mean, basically... Having not watched Wolverine Origins in like a billion years, I can only vaguely remember. This This all works for me. Um, I don't think it's necessary. Um, and this is where maybe the timeline stuff gets a little complicated, but Origins, 1979... Cyclops develops his powers. This movie, 83, he develops his powers. That's fine. He's in high school. It could be freshman and senior. Based on what happened in Days of Futures Past, ripple effects and butterfly effects could have pushed his development of his mutant powers back three years. Whatever. That's fine. I don't care about any of that. What I think they could have done, though, is just skipped it because we've seen it. We know it. So we cut straight to the scene where Alex is bringing uh, Scott to school? Absolutely. Cut right to that. He's got the bandages over his eyes. In fact, in the, at the end, and I know that continuity-wise this doesn't happen because of the, the retcon, but uh, uh, Professor Xavier rescues those mutants and brings them back home. And I, I guess that doesn't happen, but we saw that, even though it doesn't matter. You, you, movie-wise, it doesn't. Like, we don't need to see that scene. Nobody needs no. to see that scene. There's there's a few of those scenes that we really don't need to see. Am I angry but, about it? No. And actually, maybe I am not not angry, but my only criticism about that would be like, you know, he he opens his eyes and he, he's blasting things away and he's cutting uh, the school apart. But I got to be honest, it was way more effective in X-Men Origins Wolverine where he's like slicing the building in half. <laughs> uh, if you remember that scene at all, it was no. way more damaging in that. So it's like we, we we're just seeing the same thing over again. He definitely would have killed that kid. Oh, yeah. I mean, he zaps the door onto his chest, slams him against the wall. Here's the, the thing, wall. though, Jeremy. You have to approach every movie like no one has seen the first couple of movies. Yeah, but I mean, you could you could easily sum that up uh, with a couple of lines of dialogue as Havoc is bringing sight, like, this is my brother. He's at, you know, he did some problems at school. And then you could have Professor Xavier, like, tell me about it. And he'd be like, well, this boy pushed me. But whatever. I mean, we could have saved some time and just kind of kept the story going. Uh, I, don't, I don't mind it. I didn't hate it, but it's just I felt like we'd already seen it, so there was no need to do it again. But that's minor. It's a minor criticism. So uh, Scott gets brought to the school. He meets Gene. There's a little bit of a, where he tests his powers. He destroys a tree. That was funny. It's it's cool. Uh, yeah, the the effects of uh, class, uh, Cyclops's uh, eyes are pretty neat. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, damaging. And yeah, they're they're used. I thought they were used really well in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so here we we'll, we'll cut over to Cairo, where Moira McTaggart uh, basically causes the whole movie to happen. Yeah. By opening a door. <laughs> I had actually forgotten that Moira McTaggart was in X-Men First Class. Really? Yeah, I was like, oh, did do we know this? And she doesn't have the Irish accent, so she's just a woman talking. I'm like, I don't know who that is. And then the professor refers to as Moira, and I was like, oh. Why didn't she have the accent? <laughs> she wasn't even, like, trying to do an accent, but I guess that's that's minor. Do you think, uh, being that there were, there were Scottish people in the movie, that they actually made fun of her? <laughs> Man, I don't know. You're hardly a McTaggart. <laughs> Uh, but she doesn't cause it. I mean, she opens the door and kind of interrupts the seance that uh, the apocalypse worshippers have. It's the sunlight because because I mean, I guess oh. I, I guess you're right. If initially at some point the somebody would have left the door open. Well, the guy that was upstairs guarding the carpet, he was 
probably waiting for noon. He probably would have opened the door. He knew what was going on. He was trying to hide the the whole thing from people. Oh, I, I, I got the impression that these guys were worshiping like for hundreds of years and never uh, realized that all they had to do was open the door and apocalypse would come back. <laughs> that could be. That's that's the impression that I got. So this was just a happenstance thing? That yeah, it's like- just uh, Moira, Moira accidentally caused it by leaving the door open, something that these worshipers never do. Well, and then the worshippers, of course, were just kind of a, I don't know, like a hackneyed uh, uh, plot device because they do their thing and they, they've got the tattoos and Moira follows them and then they do their seance and then the light hits it and then Apocalypse starts rising and rumbling and then the worshippers run away and we never see them again. Well, I'm sure they get killed. Uh, maybe. Isn't there, isn't there like an explosion? Yeah, but I mean, at that point, they I, I feel like they, didn't they run past Moira or did they run a different direction? I don't know. I just didn't get the sense that... I, I guess what I would have liked to have seen or from a story perspective is that like once Apocalypse comes out, like he's got like kind of a big following of people that are like, oh, he's come, he's come. But he doesn't. Eh, he kills them all. <laughs> he just walks around. <laughs> Maybe he's like, I don't need followers. I don't know. Meanwhile, in Poland, uh, Magneto is forced to kill again when the fact that he saved somebody's life is has the police coming after him. It is uncovered that his daughter, I believe her name was Nina, uh, has the power, uh, mutant ability to communicate and control animals. Is she an actual character or is this just something they made up for this movie? I think they just made her up for the movie. I don't know of any Nina that can control animals. I thought it would have been maybe something if they would have like called her Lorna. But I guess she has the same powers. So the whole point was the police arrived. They had bows and arrows. They didn't have badges. So they were devoid of metal so that uh, Magneto couldn't do anything. Right. But, you know, they're in the woods. I got to imagine that Magneto, you know, there's got to be like bear traps and other well, yeah, also, metal in the woods. Also, if I'm Magneto, I don't know, I carry a watch. <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe like just like a like a pocket full of marble, like metal marbles, to just be like, if I'm ever in trouble, I got these. I don't need a gun. I am a gun. But, yeah. but his uh, daughter gets accidentally bowed, bow and arrowed in the same arrow that kills his wife, yep. which is convenient. Um, and uh, the necklace that he gave his daughter in a previous scene, he uses to kill all of the uh, police officers. That was crazy. It's just like a slow motion necklace whipping through the air and then just... Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then he gets it back and it's covered in oozing blood. Well, you see it kind of in the background kind of uh, blurred out, like just the little heads kind of rolling off the necks. It's crazy. And then you're like, oh man, Magneto, he's he's back. That's, that's one bad dude. But, uh, and when we get there, yeah, whatever. Let's keep talking. So Storm, uh, we meet Storm in Cairo where it is revealed that she is the worst thief ever. <laughs> Yeah, she's not her, very graceful in her. Theft her idea days. of uh, of of stealing something is casting a a storm cloud, and then when everybody's still looking, she grabs something and runs. Yeah, it just That's, it's so subtle. And then you know the, the the yes, and then four people like run after her, and they're like, "You thief! You know what we do to thieves." So even the storm cloud isn't even enough to distract them. Yeah, this, this is not. I mean, OK, first of all, this is probably uh, this is easily the most accurate storm in the X-Men movies yet. Uh, you don't think so? Uh, she she looks the part. She sounds the part. The, yeah, 
I don't know. The, I'm, I'm, I'm. The characterization is wrong. Yeah. But as I, far as, as far as we finally got the right actress. Yeah, maybe. I, I thought Halle Berry the, oh, was underutilized in X Men, all three X Men, really. Uh, but I thought, you know, when she shows up in in X Men One, I was like, oh man, there's Storm, right? I mean, and they kind of based that Storm off of 1992, 93 Storm, so long white hair, mm-hmm. whatever. But this character they based on the 80s, so she's got the mohawk and everything. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter at this point. Uh, yeah, realistically, version. it would have been nice to have seen Storm go through a development that actually caused her to get the 80s, there's, uh, to get the 80s mohawk. There yeah. is no reason for the mohawk. She, so that's kind of annoying. Yeah. I don't know. I guess at what point, how much separation do you do or do you do you accept from the comics and the movie, right? In the well, com- this, is, this is the whole problem I have with a series of movies is yeah. at this point, Anything they've goes. gone far enough that they're just like grabbing sh- stuff from all over the places like, oh, Mohawk Storm, let's get this in there. Ooh, Psylocke, let's get this in there. I mean, we'll get to more of that. Oh, later. yeah, we'll talk about that. But so, <laughs> so, so the biggest problem with Storm, and I might get a little ahead of, I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit. Um, yeah, she's a terrible thief. Uh, she, I guess, has she has her powers because she made the storm cloud to, to kind of cover her thievery. Um, she's she's not graceful. She's not well spoke. She's kind of like a she's a Cairo punk who looks up to uh, Mystique, who is kind of seen as a warrior and, and who you know stood up for mutants. Uh, and so she's like, I want to be like her. Uh, so I guess you're right. She's got kind of the African accent. She's got kind of a deeper voice and she's got the mohawk. My biggest problem, though, is that, you know, she's surrounded by those four guys. Apocalypse shows up and and embeds them all in the walls and the ground. And he just kills them. Yeah. And 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 she's like, yeah, we'll come back to my house and <laughs> watch some TV and 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 she so I don't get that moral sense of because the storm that we know is is super moral right she was a thief why was she a thief she was because no, she had to be she had no choice yeah she, her family was dead so in order to survive she became a member of the thieves guild and and then uh, was probably taking a little bit of advantage of and whatnot but uh, uh, this just made no sense because apocalypse kills these people and she doesn't just like run or or try to fight well, or anything all right this is another. A uh, half-ass example, or an example of the half-assed fan service that we get yeah. in this movie. It's like Storm's a thief. People yeah. will love that. So then, you know, they bring her back to, or he, she brings Apocalypse back to her up, her hovel, whatever you want to call it. She, old seventies televisions on, and uh, Apocalypse starts absorbing information from the TV, and uh, then turns her into a horseman. Right, and we get the origin of Storm's hair, which is which is the first origin of hair that we get in this uh, movie. Completely unnecessary. Yeah, um, and then I, he he seemed to be granting her powers because yeah, he, I don't he know. like grabs her and then like sizzles and powers, and then her hair turns white. So I didn't know if she was. I actually missed the part where she created the storm cloud for the thief. So I was like, did she even have powers? Did Apocalypse just give her the powers? Or maybe Apocalypse Apocalypse amplified them? He did something to her. And I, I guess I don't really... He had to do more than just change her mohawk. I mean, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, it's it's hard to tell. It wasn't really well explained. Because we know Storm as we know Storm. But I guess I guess maybe you're right. The implication is that her powers were smaller or of, a, of less control. And now she just... They're more powerful. Right. I guess. So, yeah. So then then 
you know, I like I look up to her. She's powerful. And that's apparently the motivation is that Apocalypse can grant her the strength and the power to become a hero like uh, Mystique, I guess. Although based on what she just saw, like Mystique would never do that in her hero's eyes. Right. So, yeah, problems with that. But but yeah, you're right. The actress was good. She's great. Although uh, they didn't give her much to work. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but they didn't give her yeah, much no, to work they didn't with. Give, they didn't give her much to work. They did. They yeah, they certainly didn't. And the same, the same goes with Angel. Yeah. All right. So keep going. <laughs> um, so Mystique takes Kurt to uh, Caliban's shack. Yeah. Caliban is this uh, super kind of smart guy who's he's like he's like running the underground mutant railroad. He's helping people get uh, move over to places. He's going to bring Kurt back to America, you know, help him out. Uh, he reveals to Mystique that. Uh, her old pal Eric Lenshar has killed some dudes over in Poland. Well, maybe he doesn't know where she where he is yet, and that drives Mystique to uh, go back to the states to to go back to the the, the X mansion. So, Caliban, <laughs> I I'm gonna be honest. I thought Caliban was perfect. Really. He- him, his his the actor they got, his little Caliban knows what you, I mean, it was like it was like we came up with that character. He had the right voice, he had the right vocal inflections and all that sort of stuff. Um the techno data collection thing is the note I've got in here, which uh that that obviously doesn't jive with anything. <laughs> I mean he was he was in the comics. His mutant ability is to—he's kind of like a hound. Well, he becomes a hound. He can find things, sort of. Right. So this makes sense. Yeah. Sort of that he would be the guy that is able to help these mutants out. I just—it's—it's it's just another example of we like this. We're gonna take this and we'll use it any way we want to use it. And sometimes that works, and sometimes it bothers me. And. I guess I I don't know. I I agree with you the portray I like the character that yeah. they created of Caliban, but for me it just that's that's not Caliban. I don't know why they couldn't have replaced all of his computers and information with just Morlock tunnels and he could have been like, yeah, I heard Caliban heard from Leech who heard from, from who heard from blah blah and like they have a like a a, a people network of information that they get through the underground. He didn't have to be sitting there like counting all of his money with, you know, it could have been like exchange for food. I don't know. They could have just done the Morlock thing. And that fan service would have gone way further than just having Caliban in the movie. I don't even think having Caliban in the movie, I mean, it, I guess it's fan service, but I mean, half of the people that are seeing this movie have no idea what's going on there. But I guess that's the point of fan service. Yeah. That only, only half the people do. Right. Because you want those um, people to be like, you know who that guy was? He was a Morlock. Nobody, on the other hand, has felt uh, any fan service by having Psylocke be his bodyguard. <laughs> that made zero sense. How do we get Psylocke into this movie? <laughs> any way but the way they did. Like, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, I guess in the the character that they wrote, he's a, he's a, apparently a wealthy information getter, so he he has the money to have Psylocke as his body. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And and she is she's like she's Jim Lee Psylocke. She's not Elizabeth or Betsy Braddock. No, I don't she, even think she's referred to by name, is she? Nope, she's just Psylocke. Yeah. So look, I'm gonna we'll, we'll talk we'll talk more when we get there. But my initial impression, like from the trailer and from her appearance in the by Caliban, I was like, wow, she really looks like Jim Lee's Psylocke. Oh yeah, and that's they, cool. They, it's a great casting. 
they cast her well and costume and they gave her the right costume they didn't they didn't put her in like a black jumpsuit and say you're Psylocke they gave her the purple thing with all the the belts and stuff it was great good character design absolutely terrible it's, intro. it's one of the one of the things about this movie uh that i liked was that they 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 paid a lot of attention to detail in costumes, if not so much characterizations. Yeah, well, sort uh, of. It would, it would be nice to have both. Yeah. Um. So we cut over to a scene where Hank uh, has developed and designed some ruby quartz glasses that he gives to Cyclops, which enables Cyclops to now open his eyes once again. And he gets to see Jean Grey for the very first time. And he's like, right. who's that? And it turns out that uh, she's an ever, even bigger freak than uh, he was. Right, because he comes over and he's like, why are they all staring at me? And she's like, they're not staring at you. They're staring at me. They're all afraid of me. Had she had her nightmares at this point yet or was that does that come later? I forget. I don't remember. I, I can't. I mean, I don't remember. Yeah, there's a scene where Jean has some terrible nightmares about Apocalypse and the professor has to calm her down and nearly gets overwhelmed by her uh, impressive powers. And her power set in this movie is telekinesis and telepathy. Right. So, uh, uh, which which jives, actually. It jives with um, what we've seen in previous X-Men continuity, which has been erased. But it, it all lines <laughs> up. It does. And we'll talk about that later. Um, we get scenes of Apocalypse recruiting Psylocke in Caliban's house. And then also he recruits Angel. All right. Uh, giving him magical arch, arch, arch. Is it Archangel or Archangel? I always went Archangel, but. All right, I, I like Archangel better. So uh, is Betts or is Psylocke recruited first? Yes. Okay. So Apocalypse and Storm, I think, show up and Psylocke zips out her psychic, really long sword. Right. <laughs> and it, I don't know if it's me, but it looked terrible. Like I, I was looking at it I was like, God, that just, it looks so fake because she's like hold, trying to hold it up to Apocalypse's neck. Uh, and it, to me, looked like they were compositing it so that it would work really well in 3D because the way it was on the screen, I was like, oh, I bet you if I had 3D glasses on, that would be like right in my face. But in its original 2D uh, uh, composure or whatever, it, it just looked like it was drawn in after the fact. It looked totally <laughs> fake to me. And the other thing is like, why do we need a gigantic like lance sized psychic sword like the psychic knives that jim lee developed are super cool just do those yeah and i bet you those would have been easier and probably even cheaper to do the cgi on than those big dumb giant swords she had <laughs> anyways that that was a beef of mine uh, and i don't does she even say a word i don't like no i mean she says a couple things but i mean uh really at this point the the uh, the horsemen don't say a lot i feel like Psylocke gets two lines of dialogue in the entire movie. Something like that. Like two sentences. Maybe and more. Angel gets a few lines of dialogue uh, when we first meet him. And Storm gets a few lines of dialogue when we first meet her. And then towards the end of the movie. But mainly they they mostly don't speak. So, yeah. Uh, as far as I recall, uh, Apocalypse is like uh, kind of wowed by... Uh, Psylocke is like, okay, yeah, I need you. And I don't think he imbues her with powers. He just like, you want to come? And she's like, yeah. And then they go. Well, he gives, I mean, she wasn't wearing that costume before. So either she was wearing it underneath or, uh, or Apocalypse was like, I got a pretty sweet costume for you. (laughs) Yeah. I got, I got a woman that can control the storm and I got a ninja who I need to be sexy. Put this on. (laughs) I've been saving this for thousands of years and then he does his most costume modifications when he uh 
brings Angel in as he he does the old. He sees that Angel's wings are damaged beyond repair, and Angel's all like, "I'm never gonna fly again. Well, so, Useless wings ain't got no flapping." <laughs> My problem here is, I felt like when Nightcrawler and Angel and Mystique escaped, that Angel like flew out of the top of that that fight cage. Well, he did, but that was his last flight. <laughs> but it looked fairly like great. Like, I mean, the way that they did the CGI and the animation didn't. To me, I didn't get a sense of struggle. So when they showed him at the barn or whatever, he's on his perch drinking his gin with his wings all shredded. I was like, huh, I'm guessing that happened because of Nightcrawler. But I really don't recall that being the extent of the damage. But obviously they needed to get there so that Apocalypse could show up and give him the metal knife throwing wings. Right. Which they do. Which they do. And um, that which I say, what a waste. Uh, we're going to talk. I mean, like when, this movie had Archangel in it. When, and yeah. they, he, he has this scene where he throws his knives. And I don't think he ever throws the knives again. He does. He does one one other time he throws the knives. To, to the same effect, right? He doesn't hurt anybody in his barn. And when he throws his knives later in the movie, he doesn't hurt anybody either. All the <laughs> knives are blocked. Um, the other way, and I want to talk, when we get to the fourth horseman, I want to, I want to pause and talk a little bit about all of the horsemen. But okay. um, the other waste, in my opinion, is... They, why didn't they? Why didn't they just go? Maybe they had too many blue uh, characters at this point. But why didn't they just go the whole nine yards and make him blue archangel? It is. It is. It is a good question. But I, I mean, mean, they 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 went. Um, they went all the way with you know Storm and Psylocke and Nightcrawler was maybe not costume accurate, but it was, yeah. you know they got the red in there. <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, yeah. So, all right, they, so let's jump. Let's jump ahead. Uh, uh, Apocalypse uh, recruits Magneto as well. Nothing else uh, happens between Angel and Magneto being. In- it does, but I'm jumping around. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll get back to that, Pipe. But you oh, want to okay. talk about? You want to talk about the Horseman? Let's go. Let's go talk about the Horseman. Okay. Um, so Magneto uh, goes back to where he works because he's going to kill all his fellow workers because one of them ratted him out. And he is robbed of his revenge well, it's a little when bit, Apocalypse shoves them all through the floor. Well, it's a little bit more than that. I mean, not only did one person rat on him, but one person ratted on him, and that caused the cops to come and shoot his family through the heart. Oh, I'm, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. he's he's without justification. I right. mean, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to justify murdering people. But if you're going to murder people, at least let it be because some jackass ratted out somebody and <laughs> killed your daughter. Right. So, yeah, that was a, a, a funny scene, I guess. I think it got a couple of chuckles. You know, Apocalypse and the three horsemen show up. And he's like, don't try to stop me from killing these people. And Apocalypse just drops them to the floor and kills them. So you're right. I mean, Magneto could be like, what the hell? It should also be pointed out that at this point, uh, Apocalypse, besides shoving people through things, has also uh, cut people's heads off with sand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, also, uh, we, we get our first and only F word out of Magneto. Oh, that's right. When yeah. he shows up, he's like, who the F are you? And, and I got a <laughs> chuckle from everybody. Uh, and so, so this is where Magneto is recruited as the fourth and final horseman. Although I think it takes a little bit longer. I think Apocalypse has to do a little bit more convincing by taking him to Auschwitz and being like, here's where you were created. Isn't it terrible? Let's have a flashback to X-Men 1 again. Which, this time we'll also flashback to the reboot X-Men 1. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They flashed all through all of those scenes, um, which was fine and good. 
Uh, I always I like seeing that that the the opening scene of X Men One is probably my favorite scene of the entire series. Even though they've they've already brought it back so many times that it's I'm you know it's it's good that they keep bringing it back. It it creates a kind of resonance. Right. It's yes. So uh, th- that's all that's all well and good, but I feel like I feel like Magneto is uh, a not maybe not necessarily above apocalypse but wouldn't want to be the guy like all of these he's offering all of these people something he offered angel wings he offered storm i guess the ability to be a hero and Psylocke power maybe but i don't feel like apocalypse has anything to offer magneto cuz magneto's already pretty powerful and whatever revenge he wants he can go get on his own terms well no he does offer him Power. He taps into Magneto's power to a level that Magneto has never been able to control before. Right. And and also Magneto just lost his family. He's very confused right now. He's kind of lost. He's trying to figure things out. He tried to do things Charles's way, but that didn't work out. And he's he's distraught. So he's not necessarily thinking straight. And he's been given this opportunity to have uh, way more power than he had before. Yeah, I guess. Um, I just felt like I just felt like it was out of character. But but even still, okay, fine. Magneto's recruited as the fourth horseman. Um, now that we've got our our full complement of horsemen, this is where my my problem begins, or or whatever. Is that I mean, the four horsemen of apocalypse. We already tried to talk about this in one of our episodes, and we couldn't come up with any of them. <laughs> um, but the four horsemen of apocalypse are. Generally, pestilence, war, famine, and death. And in X Factor, uh, they were perfectly represented. They had powers that were exactly identical to pestilence, war, famine, and death, which you don't necessarily need to do the movie. They don't need to be that alliterative. But it would have somehow been nice to, because none of these horsemen of his represent any of those things. They're just people with powers. I feel like there was a board meeting and um, they just struck somebody, that. They're like, nah. yeah, some, somebody was like, we got apocalypse. So we need four horsemen. Uh, do we want to go with the traditional four horsemen? And somebody said, who are the traditional four horsemen? And the other person said, never mind. <laughs> Let's use people everybody knows. What about Storm? She was in other movies. Everybody knows her. People seem to like this Psylocke chick. Yes. She's uh, we can use Archangel. People like him. And hey, he actually was a horseman. <laughs> and Magneto. And Magneto. He's like a main character. Everybody loves Magneto. Let's do it. <laughs> so I guess at the end of the day, I feel like he obviously needed four horsemen. Uh, but I felt like the idea was just a little bit phoned in. It was it was like all of the fan service. I'm just going to keep saying this over. <laughs> Every time they do fan service in this movie, it seems phoned in. It's like, hey, we're going to give you what you want, kind of. <laughs> Somebody read like one issue of something and was like, we'll do that and people will love it. I don't even think they read an issue. <laughs> they kind of like scoured the Internet. What's popular? <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, then the other thing about the Four Horsemen and... I'm probably getting ahead of your notes, but but forgive me, uh, is after they're all recruited and they do some things, they pretty much stand on like a mountainside and pose <laughs> yeah. for like, I don't know, two, three days. Yeah. Because yeah. they're on the other side of the earth waiting for the X-Men to show up. And it's not like like Apocalypse doesn't have his ship, which I guess would have been probably too much to cram into the movie, but he doesn't have like a base of operations or, uh, I don't know, a boardroom. <laughs> Or anything. Yeah, when, they, when they get to that mountain, I feel like the movie slowed way down and just became like the X-Men conversations. Yeah. And it was just like cutting back and forth to like Charles all, oh, you want me to do what? And Apocalypse was like, I'm right, you're wrong. And 
back and forth. And meanwhile, like the other three uh, horsemen or the the four horsemen are just like posing. And I can that's where I felt bad for Olivia Munn, who's doing Psylocke, because everybody else is dressed to the nines in costumes. And she's in there with like a really skimpy swimming suit. And she just has to stand there and pose. Right. She's probably like asking the director, Brian, what, what should I do here? And he's just like, stick your butt out and pose. <laughs> we good? All right. Action. But anyways. They seemed like a really terrible boy band. Yeah. Yeah. You could just imagine X sounded like it looked like a really bad boy band video. Like you imagine like wind blowing their hair and the camera swirling around. Well, I guess a lot like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. The Jedi Temple scene. Anyhow, I uh, I tangented. Yeah. Let's get back on track. Uh, so Charles is uh, stalking. After Gene's nightmare, uh, there was a seismic event that Apocalypse caused. And Charles is um, starts stalking Moira McTaggart. Um, and then uh, they he goes with Havoc, presumably because we got to do something with Havoc, right? He's in the movie. Yeah, it's, it's him, Havoc, Beast, and Moira... Or I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, they uh, he, right, yeah. he and Havoc just go to talk to Moira, right. and they that's where she reveals all about Apocalypse, the first mutant. Always had and, four horsemen. Uh, yeah, how he had four horsemen. I read about that in the Bible, or the Bible got it from him. Yeah, all that stuff. Whoa, yeah, deep. <laughs> um, meanwhile, as soon as they leave the mansion, Scott, Gene, Kurt, and Jubilee <laughs> go to the mall to watch Return of the Jedi. Now this is uh, it's a fine scene, except that the motivation for it is like. Cyclops has just shown up. He's like freaked out about his powers. He, he got maybe a crush on Gene. He doesn't seem like a bad boy, but like it's well, like you could argue that he's trying to be all cocky in order to impress Gene. Oh, okay. But there, there is nothing in the movie that would give you that impression, right? Because he's like, we got to get out of here. Let's go to the mall. And Nightcrawler's like, mall? I want to go to the mall. What's a mall? And everyone's like, get a load of this guy. He doesn't know what a mall is. So yeah, they go to the mall. They see Return of the Jedi. Somebody makes the joke of uh, the third one's always the worst. And obviously they're referring to X-Men 3. But I'm like, well, this is actually the third movie of your series. Like, <laughs> you might want to be careful. Yeah, you know, I'm sure they knew what they were doing. Well, I hope so. Cause... Um, Jubilee, but yeah. why is she here? Uh, well, uh, Jubilee is for some reason featured in a number of movies and like never given lines. <laughs> Based on, you know, you know what they need to do? They need to make Jubilee be in a Wolverine standalone movie as his sidekick pal. Because the only time they attempt to do the relationship that Wolverine has, like like he had with Kitty Pride, like he had with Jubilee, was in the first X-Men with Rogue. And then they dropped that like a bad habit. And they need to get back to that. That is like part of the core of Wolverine's character. Jubilee needs to be in a Wolverine movie. This is their opportunity. I mean, they could do it it's, now. Yeah, it's not going to happen. No. But They're doing Old Man Logan. So con- continuity-wise, uh, she was in X-Men, X2, X-United, and X-Men Apocalypse. So based on those time frames, given that she was maybe what? 14 in Apocalypse, maybe 12. She's pretty young. That would put her at like 36 when X-Men uh, Last Stand happened. And when she's featured in that movie, she, she looks like she's 15. So well, I'm going to say Days of Future Past rewrote all the timelines. So her parents met each other like 10 years earlier. <laughs> uh, I don't think that works that way. I would buy that things change after the timeline, but nothing changes before the timeline or before well, Days of Future Past. Well, right. But all of these movies take place after 
Days of Future Past. Right. Apocalypse takes place after. Yeah. So does X1, 2, and 3. Right. But but based on this, if she's 12 in this movie, she would have been born in 19... Oh, all right. Fine. Fair enough. You might got me there because Days of Future Past takes place in 1973. Okay, fine. All right. All right. I'll give you that one. Well, even even no, like the... I, I'll e- give it to you. It's yours. Yeah, well, even the angel conundrum can be explained by like, because the timeline changed things, yeah, yeah. the Worthingtons never yeah. hooked up or they, they hooked up a lot earlier this time. Brother, I'm good. Okay. Psylocke actually has the same issue as well because she's a featured in X-Men 3 and X-Men Apocalypse, both those young girls. But, um, um, yeah. Well, Psylocke, on the other hand, doesn't seem to work so well because in 1983, she looks like she's 20 at least. That would have made... She would have been born in 1963. So that that that's a fixed date. She has to always be born in 1963. Days of Future Past can't change that. I, it says in, in X3 that she was um, born in 1963. No, I'm extrapolating. I mean, if she is 20 in 1983, I mean, how old would you say Olivia Munn was in this movie? Give her an age. I don't know. How old is Olivia Munn? I don't know. Psylocke is one of those women that has always looked older to me, but I don't know. Fine. She's, she's say she's 17 years old. So 1983 to 2006, you got to add all those years. That puts her at about, you know, that puts her older. See, I would say she was in her 30s. <laughs> in X-Men Apocalypse. Well, that puts her in her like 50s by the time X-Men 3 comes out. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, where were, what were we talking about? Oh, the, the Jubilee conundrum. I agree. It feels like uh, there's a producer or a writer that really, really wants to get her in there. Because I, I read that she had a scene in this movie that was cut, and I feel like she had a scene, a larger scene in one of the original three X-Men uh, that was also cut. Is it at least the same actress every time? It was Probably the same. Not. No, it was the same in X-Men 1 and 2, different in X-Men 3, and obviously different in this movie. Mm-hmm. So three actors for a bit part. <laughs> so charles returns home with moira and they all go into cerebro to locate uh magneto uh because mystique has also shown up and magneto's in trouble and everybody needs to save save uh help magneto out because these movies are at the core about charles and magneto which i actually like in this one which i was getting kind of tired of but i'm I'm happy that it kind of worked with for me in this one anyway um i never felt that really (laughs) no not in this movie Oh, well, <laughs> but okay. well th- this movie had so much going on that I could see why you might not. <laughs> I was maybe actually I, maybe I'm grasping at straws. I, I was actually kind of happy that it was not about. I mean, we've had like uh, five movies, six movies or however many mo- movies we've had has basically been Magneto versus the professor. Uh, yeah. And so this not being about that, but having Magneto, uh, I was refreshing, actually. But anyways. Fair enough. Um, well, Charles is cerebroing. Uh, Apocalypse locks onto him and turns his eyes all white and uh, is able. Is this where he's able to connect to every mutant or something? Uh, at, at any rate. Um, he's able to connect with everybody, but he usually uses this power to filter between humans and mutants. The gist is that he feels like he needs Charles. So the. Uh, uh, Apocalypse and his, his horsemen beam in directly into the X mansion, kidnap Charles and leave. Um, and then Alex blows up Hank's superplane. Is, is that because the pot? Well, yeah, I guess you're right. But Apocalypse does that because he feels, I think, through Magneto that there's this mind that can talk to everybody. And as right. powerful as Apocalypse is, he can't do that. Right. He, he says something about how. I've found it, the solution. Right. And that's when they all disappear and reappear. But at some point, they destroy the entire, uh, uh, Havoc destroys the, the Cerebro. Like, the professor's like, destroy it all! 
Right. Uh, as as Apocalypse is uh, tapping into Cerebro and uh, Charles is going a little bit crazy, he says, destroy it, Alex. Let loose Havoc or something like that. Yeah. It's a dumb line. But then <laughs> Havoc does. He does his Havoc power, which is pretty cool. Power is just like emanating from his chest and his hands. And that was all that was all good. And then uh, after the four horsemen of the apocalypse disappear, uh, Alex continues shooting, and he blasts a hole through the wall, which goes directly to Hank's superplane, um, which we didn't talk about. It was in a previous scene. Wait, um, Mystique the, first shows up. He hits the superplane. Isn't that what happens? I'm not. I'm not even sure. He hits something, and the school blows up. I didn't think he hit the superplane, but maybe he did. I I thought it was just like a like a powered panel or something like that i really felt like the the super plane was just like hey you know how we had a plane in x-men one well here's its origin like it's not ready yet nobody can fly it but hank's building it uh maybe i'm wrong but I, I don't anyways yes uh havoc hits something that explodes and creates like a chain reaction uh which is when we get the second best scene of the entire movie arguably some would say the best scene i say uh, the second best i don't know i think it was the best scene in days of future past it's they went back to it because it was really good in Days of Future Yeah, it was Past. really good. And that doesn't mean that you need to recreate it, but bigger and better. Oh, my gosh. I When it came, you know, and everything slowed down and the music started, you knew exact. I knew exactly what was coming next. Everybody in the audience laughed, so it got its reaction. And then Quicksilver does his thing, but he does it for easily three times longer than what he did in Days of Future <laughs> yeah. Past. Yeah. Now, I would, I would say that for as fun as it was to watch that whole thing and listen to the song uh i thought the the setup and uh for lack of a better word punchline of days of future past was way better right because quicksilver rearranges everything and then people are punching themselves and things are hitting people like he sets up everything to fall perfectly this he just saves everybody uh and, and makes some people dodge and some people land in blankets and stuff but it goes on for a very long time i liked it a lot i would imagine that on second viewing i might be like okay for god's sakes so fast forward this thing <laughs> i liked it and then upon leaving the theater i was like wait a minute we saw that already well yeah yeah you did, but I don't know. More of the same, but better. It's more of the same. More of the same. <laughs> more of the same. It was a lot longer. More of the same. It was longer. It was definitely a lot right. longer. More of the same, but more. Uh, I, yeah, Adam. I, I I don't know. I I liked it, uh, but I can imagine on a second viewing being annoyed by it because it is I, so long. Yeah, I don't know if I maybe not annoyed, but definitely. Uh, I, I guess I didn't find it annoying. I just found it like. Uh, are they going to tap into that well in the next movie too? Uh, well, how else do you do? It's like the Austin Powers syndrome. Yeah, but how else do you do Quicksilver? I feel like if you do like him zipping around. Well, it, here's here's the thing though. It works in Days of Future Past because Quicksilver appears and then he disappears. In this movie, he's in the whole movie. So in the, uh, a, there's a scene coming up where uh, he really should have slowed down time. And he doesn't, doesn't slow down time. He just goes really or, fast. Well, you know, he, he should have done one of these special sequences. Okay. So Scott and the gang return back. They see all this explosion. Everybody's like, oh, no. Um, apparently, Quicksilver was unable to save Alex, who apparently was incinerated. Yeah. I guess. So Alex Summers, Scott's older brother, is dead. Yeah. Don't know why. I did. Why did we need to kill off? Like killing off Alex did nothing for this film. No, I feel bad for the actor or the Havoc character. Uh, here's some interesting things. He's the new MacGyver. 
about, is he? Yeah, did, did you see they're rebooting MacGyver? No, but he, he, based on his character features, he looks like he'd make a good Havoc. And he's wearing that mullet. <laughs> so, let's do some math here, okay? Havoc was on the original team in 1962, and let's just say, for argument's sake, he's 15 years old in that movie. So that means that okay. he was born in 1947, 1973 he's 26, 1983 he's 36. He does not look like he was uh, uh, 36 years old. But that's fine. We can forget all that, the suspension of disbelief. But all right, you have to, you because of the fact that 10 years has gone by and everybody looks like they've aged a year, you have to age everybody a year. Right, uh, right. And that, so... In uh, Cyclops, Cyclops being his brother, in Wolverine, uh, which took place in 1979, he was in high school. In Age of Apocalypse, he was 1983. So we'll just say that his high school span was 1979 to 1983. Uh, That would make him uh, born in 1966, which means that uh, if the Summers' parents died, which I guess we don't even know if the Summers' parents died, Havoc would have been like 20 or so when that happened. But suffice to say, there's a very big age difference between Cyclops and Havoc based on how these timelines are put together. Yeah. Easily like 18 years. But I guess that doesn't really matter because as I looked up the credits for X-Men Apocalypse, it does say Mr. and Mrs. Summers. You don't ever see their face. I think you see the back of their head. Hmm. Uh, So that was either an oversight or Scott's not not, a... well, that's going to be weird for the next movie, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. <laughs> Anyways, so based on the credits, uh, he's not an orphan. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But that could be changed later. So neither of them are orphans. N- not according to the credits, but, you know, the credits are the credits and those could be overlooked. Uh, and their dad is not a space pirate. No. And and if, <laughs> if ha- I mean, if Havoc's 36, that means his dad's at least 56. Well, I guess uh, Corsair could be 56, a young 56. But anyways, it's just a very weird age range to put those two characters at. But yes, Havoc is dead. He's incinerated. He's gone. Okay, at this point, uh, Stryker shows up, and how does everybody get knocked unconscious? I forget. Uh, there's like an anti-mutant EMP. Well, right. Okay, <laughs> so know. does that just like happen, or why Why doesn't Quicksilver get the jump on that and be like, oh, crap, everybody's getting knocked out. I should really see how slow time is working and not get knocked out. Uh. I don't know, Adam. <laughs> He's not, he doesn't have precognition. So one could say that he was at the epicenter of the EMP. So maybe he was one of the first hit because we know that the wave didn't cover everything because uh, Nightcrawler, Cyclops, and Gene aren't affected by the EMP. All right, you want to know what my really big beef with this scene is? What? At the end of Days of Future Past, we see Stryker pull Wolverine out of the water and Stryker, as it turns out, is Mystique. We're, we're going to talk about that later. We'll talk, I want to talk about that later. I want, I want to talk about that now. No, what happened? No, I want to talk about that later. All right. I'll let you know, but okay. I'm, I'm, I feel you, my friend. I feel you. We'll talk about it. It's important. Um, and then this is the scene where Nightcrawler teleports three people into a helicopter that he can't see inside of. Yep, that's the number two one. <laughs> I can only go where I've seen or been before. And fortunately for us, I've been in that helicopter. So, <laughs> bamf. Maybe there was a scene where they that got cut where they bamfed up to the window of the helicopter. He peeked inside and bamfed inside into a cage. <laughs> lots of lots of cages in this movie. Um, now, but, if, is it possible for uh, a mutant with teleportation powers to teleport into 
a box that disables mutant powers. There's Don't a cu- know. Now, there's a couple of problems here because, so Jean, the reason that they're able to get away, so, so A, they avoided the EMP. B, Jean is using her telepathy to block everybody's perception of them. So when the soldier comes over and looks directly at them, all he sees is debris and destruction. So when they teleport into the helicopter, uh, they realize they're on Stryker's helicopter, or for whatever reason, Cyclops is like, oh my God, get us off. And, uh, Nightcrawler's like, I can't. That's something inhibiting my power. And Jean tries to use her powers. And so I'm like, oh, well, so they just teleported into a trap. And now Stryker and his men know that they've also captured these other three mutants. But in the very next scene, (laughs) I think it's the next scene, we see those three like running around the halls. Like they didn't see them. Right. Even though Jean wasn't able able to hide. No, they just happened. I think I think the whole helicopter was a mutant inhibitor. Oh, so the so when they landed, but then they'd have been like, "Oh, look, we've got three more in cage B in this helicopter." Well, nobody looked at cage B because nobody put anything in cage B. Well, why would we look at cage B? They went right to it. They went to C and they're like, "Okay, you three come with me." <laughs> that yeah. That was yeah, weird. Uh, you know, it's it's. So yes, could he teleport into a mutant inhibitor field helicopter? Well, obviously he could, Adam, because he did. Okay, that's a good, <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> Next, <laughs> uh, so it, at Strikers Island, we uh, we Moira, Hank, Mystique, and Quicksilver all are all inside of a new cage where they're at the bottom, and there's a bunch of glass, and Striker peers into them. Now, are their mutant powers being inhibited at this point, or can they just not get out of the room? The reason I ask is because Mystique starts out blue, uh, and then, I don't know, Jennifer, what's her face, must have gotten, said, I don't want to do the scene in makeup. So she transforms back into her. So clearly their mutant powers are not inhibited. But if that's the case, then why didn't they like attempt to get out? I really, really felt like this is probably Jennifer Lawrence's last role as Mystique. Oh, I hope so. Because, you know, I like her as an actress and everything, but like... She had great hair in this movie. It really, really seemed like she did not want to be in that makeup. Yeah. Because she was in it very, very little. So I don't know, like when she first uh, is in her blue form, I assumed that everybody's mutant powers were inhibited. That's why she's in her blue form. Uh, and then I thought something happened and that I, I, I don't remember. I don't remember that part. Okay. At some point, I mean, the, the field is dropped, but did, did anybody have powers that could like blast them out at that point? Like who did they have? Well, Quicksilver was in the thing. He could have run around circles until the glass vibrated and, and broke. Yeah. Well, he's not that smart. He's been playing Ms. Pac-Man in his basement for the last Yeah, but years. Hank's in the room too and he could have been like, hey, Quicksilver, I'm, I want you to do this thing for me. That's true. There's a scene uh, and I don't remember where this happened where um, Beast and Mystique are both blue and, they're, and then Nightcrawler comes around and is like, hey, I'm blue too. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> and then maybe that's why they couldn't make Archangel blue because then they had four blue characters. Yeah, maybe. That's just Well, plus Apocalypse. Oh, five blue characters. Okay, anyways. Uh, so, meanwhile, on a mountain, um, Apocalypse uh, commands the professor to communicate with everybody in the world and send them all a message. And while he's doing this, the professor sends Gene a secret message about where they are and what they have to do. Yep. So, uh, uh, and then Apocalypse destroys all nuclear weapons. That happens, right? That was really, really, really confusing uh, (laughs) because 
he wants to destroy the world and from the ashes, the strongest that survive, he and his horsemen will lead. So when he initially, is it him or is it Magneto? Somebody is responsible for releasing all of the world's nukes. And you, mm-hmm. you think that the rest of the movie is going to be these nukes like slowly heading back towards Earth. But I guess they just go into orbit and they're just like orbiting the planet now. <laughs> Like we have yeah. a ring like 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 Venus and it's just nuclear weapons <laughs> spinning around the planet like for some reason apocalypse does not want any weapons to be on the earth. Right. When he's got the master of magnetism that could just deflect all the nukes and I don't know that just I don't know what they were going for with that. Uh I guess they didn't want the humans to retaliate in any form? I guess. Uh, oh, yeah, no, what he does is he has the professor uh, telepathically reach out to all of the people that have the keys to the missiles and instructs right, them right, right. To, to initiate the launch. Uh, uh, but I guess the target is space, so they, they go out <laughs> to space. There's a lot of satellites that are getting blown up right now. It's, yeah. Cable's out. It's terrible. Nobody can watch TV. So, meanwhile, at Strikers Island, um, Gene, Kurt, and Scott are running around, and then they discover a box. And inside the box is some sort of animal. Or wait, it's maybe it's a man. Maybe it's a and weapon. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it's an extraordinary weapon. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> or a weapon of extra. Uh, it's it's Weapon X. It's Wolverine. Yeah, we get we get our last X Men Hugh Jackman cameo. And holy um, crap! Like. It's it's Barry Windsor Smith from the Weapon X Marvel Comics series. Uh, what was it? Marvel Comics Weekly. What was that called? Uh, Marvel Comics Presents. Marvel Comics Presents. It's that Wolverine. He's got the headpiece. He's got the the belt and the straps. He's I, got the jean shorts. Yeah. The he didn't have jean shorts. <laughs> I I didn't really remember the jean shorts, but everything. Oh, he had like like cloth underwear on or something like that in the Barry Windsor Smith. Story. So. Uh, they and so they've had Hugh Jackman naked in like four or five of these movies already. Oh, so your problem is the jeans? Yeah. What does he need to run around in jean shorts for? I I, right. I don't right. know. This is this is this is this is me in the theater. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! What? <laughs> really? The jeans threw it for you. It wasn't just the jeans. It was the fact that that sequence of Weapon X running through the hallways, violently killing everybody was so poorly executed. Really? The choreography was bad. Oh, well. It it seemed like they could have threw in a Benny Hill uh, soundtrack and it would have made a lot more sense. We'll talk more about the fighting. But yeah, again, it felt like I it was it was just this is how I felt through the whole movie was like, I should be liking this. Why am I not liking this? Really? I uh, I, I was like, man, they should just take this whole scene and put it in Wolverine three like this. They should just edit all around this. Like, I don't know if it's the beginning or the middle or the end of, of X of Wolverine three. But this should be in there because it's like the first time I guess Psylocke maybe is now my first time. But it's like the first time that they took kind of a little bit more obscure of a character and pretty much did it well. Justice, at least the character design. I, I love the headgear. Yeah. Except for the scene where Jean Grey takes it off. Yeah, I wish that... Oh, it turns out you can just pull this off. Oh. <laughs> I wish that wouldn't have happened either. But <laughs> but anyways, 
I uh, I thought it didn't need to be there. <laughs> the whole scene didn't need to be there. But oh yeah, it absolutely didn't need to be there. <laughs> Again, that that was that was total fan service. It added nothing. But but the other thing uh, I thought that this movie did that others haven't done is it it opened up a thread. Right? It said like, okay, well this happens. You've never seen this before. You've seen other variations of it, which are in the other continuity, so it doesn't count anyways. Well, to to me, what this was saying was this is what happened instead of Wolverine Origins. Absolutely, uh, and so for that alone, I I really I, I like that scene a lot. It, no, it was a good scene. I'm just very mixed about it. Like I I was literally I totally fanboyed in that moment, and I was like on me the too. edge of my seat, being all like giddy and happy. But at the same time, a part of me was like. Couldn't they have done it just a little bit better? Oh, I guess maybe my standards are so, or the bar for me is so low <laughs> that just that alone is like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm not asking for much because like the, 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 the headgear that he was wearing was terrible, but at the same time, it was perfect. I, I, I haven't read that comic in a long time, but instantly seeing it, I was like, oh my God, I know that. I know that design. So it, <laughs> the, it, it worked the, for me. The biggest disappointment was for me was that they revealed in the final trailer, I don't know if you saw it, that Wolverine had a cameo. And the, the way the way they did it is they take that scene where uh, Scott says, oh, we got some help. And then they, they cut to a shot of Wolverine popping his claws from, I think it was from X2. Wait, and they, they answer that into the trailer. And you're like, oh, Hugh Jackman's going to be in oh, it. Oh, 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 oh. And I wish I hadn't seen that trailer because I would have not been expecting this at all. I definitely wasn't expecting Weapon X. I had, so it was still a surprise. I had heard that he made a cameo, so that was spoiled for me. But I had no idea how. He, I mean, I guess when they got to Strikers Island, you, yeah, I I think I'm like, oh, well, this is where we're going to see Wolverine. Like, it's the only place that makes sense. But I didn't know that we were going to see like a, a a Barry Windsor Smith Wolverine, and for that, I was very happy. So yeah, that was my favorite scene of the movie. <laughs> it was probably mine too, even <laughs> though even even though the jorts were. <laughs> Just too much for me. I mean, now that you say it, I mean, the shorts did stick out. And I, I did, I do recall thinking to myself, like, huh, did he have, well, it's the headgear. The headgear's there. And he's got the straps. The straps are there. It's it's like, uh, I don't know, for Hugh Jackman was like, I really just don't want to do this one naked. I've been <laughs> naked in so many of the other ones. Yeah. I'm getting old. <laughs> I'm like 55. I look good, <laughs> but I'm 55. Balls are hanging low. <laughs> you got nothing that's going to cover up them. No crunches for balls. Uh, anyways. Uh, so Jeans and Scott and Kurt rescue everybody else because Wolverine has slaughtered pretty much everybody. Uh, Striker escapes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, here's the here's the here's the opportunity. Um, Adam, at the end of X Men: Days of Future Past, uh, I just you confirmed it for me, but I had to think. I was like, now I know that Striker dragged Wolverine up from the bottom of the lake or the ocean or wherever he was, and he's he's all riddled with rebar uh, mm-hmm. because of Magneto jerk move by the way i mean <laughs> really uh uh yeah so it was mystique i mean because i i don't think she turned into mystique but i think she like looks at the camera and you get the yellow mystique eyes you're like oh exactly yeah why is why is mystique striker handing wolverine over to strikers men like, right. why is this happening and then we get to this and weapon x has happened obviously it's either happening or has happened i guess it's at the end of happening because he's escaping now but i there's nothing anywhere that explains why that happens nope <laughs> and it there's 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 not even it's, like a a a a um you, you can't even come up with like a conspiracy as like why it was happening nothing makes sense you know what i think what happened was somebody at the end of days of future past said you know what would be cool and then somebody 
at the beginning of this movie said, uh, let's forget about all that other stuff. Well, yeah, they probably got to it and they're like, how are we going to work this in? And then the producer was like, we're not. Just just roll. <laughs> You're going to do this. All right, fine. You know, we've changed so much of the timelines. It doesn't really matter yeah, anymore. All, do you know how many things in our timeline don't make sense? Just go with it. Our fans have come to expect this. They're going to be blown away by the headset. They won't even be thinking about the end of Days of Future Past. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, listeners, if you've uh, got a theory, uh, we'd love to hear it. Uh, drop us a line. I've heard that there are interviews around that. I don't from like Brian that. Singer. I don't see. I don't. Zack Snyder has come up with a whole bunch of things about what was happening in Batman v Superman, and to me, it's like, nope, it didn't happen because you didn't put it in the movie. You didn't even hint towards it. You can't yeah, be like, it, it, it's all BS. You can't do an interview and be like, well, the Robin costume was that way because blah, blah, blah. No, like the Robin costume was like that because something happened. We don't know what happened. Batman knows what happened, but we, the audience, don't know what happened because Batman hasn't told us and we didn't see the movie. Your interview doesn't count. So same thing with this. Ryan Singer can't be like, well, it was because of this. No, it didn't exist. Anyways, I view that like fan fiction. <laughs> so... Uh, back to the, back to the, uh, Cairo, I guess. Are we in Cairo or back to the mountain? (laughs) Apocalypse is preparing to go inside of the professor's head because as you mentioned earlier, the professor is a conduit, uh, for Apocalypse to, um. So I'm guessing that he takes on the abilities of everybody that he turn or uh, uh, transfers his psyche to because they they made a big I guess then maybe Oscar Isaac was a mutant whose power was to manipulate sand (laughs) I guess I don't know I don't know maybe it was Poe Dameron (laughs) maybe Uh, and that's how he survived is that is that what you're getting at (laughs) Um, they made a big deal of cutting his initial donor body and showing that that initial donor body heals and then he's turned and transferred to that body but to the best of my knowledge there was well no his his throat got slit at one point and he was able to heal that but he was also able to manipulate sand and do other things oh and the growth thing are we there yet or i guess we're not there yet maybe he is able to take on all of the powers of everyone that he's ever i don't know it's never explained we oh. could we could jump about that so he's siler yeah heroes heroes reborn <laughs> Remember Heroes? I sure do. <laughs> Remember how much you loved it and then how much I, you the hated first it? Season was, the first season was great. <laughs> yeah. It was just like the X-Men. Yeah. Anyways. Um, and, then, and then we get, as, as he's preparing to go inside the professor, we get the origin of Professor X's hair, which is the second hair origin. I forgot. I mean, I didn't forget about that, but I forgot that that was another hair origin. <laughs> yeah, which I honestly... Uh, I'm kind of mixed on this. Uh, we never learn how Patrick Stewart loses his hair, but it doesn't matter because that timeline is different. So I honestly felt like there was no real need to make him go bald. But I guess that was more fan service because what do they do at the end of the movie? They dress him up in his blue suit with his bald head and he looks like he's straight out of the pages of an older issue of X-Men. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, it was unnecessary, but at least at least at least it made sense because, yeah. you know, we already knew that Apocalypse was able to control other people's hair. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> this is just confirmation of that. So one of those people like 6,000 or 9,000 years ago had hair control. He's like, ooh, got to have that power. That's how you rule the world. <laughs> Isn't <laughs> Um, so at this point, uh, the X-Men show up and then there's a battle between the horsemen and the X-Men, which we finally get to see the horsemen in action. Uh, 
No longer are they standing around. Now they're flying around and running around and hitting around. Yeah, the 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 battle scene was not wasn't it wasn't great. It was palatable. Uh, we get we get Kurt and Angel fighting again, which you know that's kind of nice because they there's some symmetry to that, and uh, they their fight ends with uh, Kurt trapping Angel in a cage, which is kind of uh, you know it's neat. Yeah. Uh, Psylocke and Beast kind of jump around and battle a lot. Um, so there's two things that that happen that kind of stick out in my mind as far as the battle, and that it goes back to the special effects of Psylocke's blade and the whip. For God's sake, she's not Wonder Woman. Yeah, Why did no, they give her I, a psychic I, whip? I hated, I hated the whip too. The whip is terrible, but not even that. Her psychic sword. Once again, I was like, the psychic knives have been awesome, but again, they just it, it looked bad in my opinion. The effect did not look great, uh, and then I also felt. That when they were doing uh, Cyclops's optic blasts, I, f- I I can't imagine them making this mistake, but I felt like the beam tracking on his eyes w- was like off mm. from time okay. to time, like it didn't didn't quite rotate right or didn't quite follow the eyes right. So that was one of the things that I really liked. I liked Cyclops's full on blast because he didn't have his visor yet so it was just his eyes and i liked the sound that it made and i liked the visual and i was i that is something that i really liked oh let me put it this way i liked everything beyond his eyes right <laughs> so like as you get like a foot out from the eye beams and then everything that happened and then like what he was able to do and i think he turns the tide of the battle at some point i think i can't remember how but it I guess I was just focusing in on the beams coming out of his eyes. And as he kind of moved his head and was looking around and shooting, I was like, oh, those beams just don't seem like they're following right. Yeah, maybe. maybe it's, it's definitely a possibility. I just didn't notice it. It's minor. But you would think with like a multi-million dollar movie like that, you know, they'd, they'd really get that right. But I don't know, man. You'd think with a multi-million dollar movie like that, they would have choreographed a better Weapon X sequence. <laughs> So, so yeah, yeah. I mean, but I, I, honestly, I didn't really think that this battle scene was all that well. Cool. I mean, but here's the thing. Uh, it's coming right on the heels of Civil War. And I got to be right. honest, that airport battle scene is... Oh, that, it was just well done. It was amazing. It was smart. It used everybody's powers efficiently. It's like they really thought out, like the, the only the only flaw that I that I felt about that, and it's not even really a flaw, is that I wanted to see this battle of heroes versus bad guys but there aren't really any bad guys in the marvel universe right now no no so i feel like all they really could do is have heroes fight heroes but that said this was an excellent heroes versus heroes battle it it just took a lot of things into account it took it took all of their powers into account you know we had quipping spider-man spoilers yeah 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 (laughs) yeah Uh, it was it was that was uh not to tangent too much, but I, I, there was uh, some, maybe maybe a little too much downtime, I thought, in Captain America, where they're at, like, the tribunals and, I don't know, all these hearings and whatnot. Uh, but once you got to that fight and they fought and you had the dialogue and freaking giant man, oh, my gosh, it was like, I don't care. <laughs> well, that, that, that scene was like a movie outside of the movie. Yeah, I don't know. All of that was just like... Yeah, but so this this that this was not that. On the other hand, uh, it was better than Batman versus Superman's battle. <laughs> <laughs> but two bums fighting in an alley probably would be better than <laughs> Batman versus Superman battle. My opinion only. Um, I'm not going to disagree. <laughs> um, 
So Mystique and Quicksilver confront uh, Magneto and try to get him to uh, help out his family, uh, making the argument that that Magneto is part of the X-Family. Quicksilver decides not to tell Magneto that he is his father. Um, Yeah. Which makes sense. It works for me, and I'll explain why later. uh, Yeah. The weird thing is that I just... I guess it doesn't matter because uh, it is just a comic book movie. But I, there's nothing anywhere in any of these movies that gives me any, like, why does Quicksilver care that Magneto is, is, is his father? Oh, I think he's just curious. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's fine. I, I loved I loved the Quicksilver character. I like that actor. But, like, when he goes up there, he's like, I'm doing this for my family, too. Like, he didn't, I don't know. I didn't really get the, the emotion. He didn't emote well. Like, no, I read between the lines. Like, something else is happening. And it involves you. <laughs> no, but, I, whatever. Think, I think there are some things that you just have to take for granted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as that's with why all, it, all of these types of films. It's a comic book movie, so. Right. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Nightcrawler saves the professor and then everybody evacuates into the X-Jet. And this is where Angel presumably dies. Does he? <laughs> well, the X-Jet, uh, or which I guess isn't the X-Jet. It's the Striker's Jet that they kidnapped or borrowed because now they're all wearing flight suits. Oh, yeah. Well, they needed a costumes and they're like, well, how are we going to get these kids into costumes? <laughs> flight suits next to the jets. And they all match, too. Yeah. yeah. And they're all Just the like right... in X-Men 1. They're all the right size. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so all of the X-Men are in the X-Jet and Nightcrawler is about to, or uh, not, not Nightcrawler, uh, Angel, Arc, Arch, Arch, Arc, Archangel is about to hit everybody with his best shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody has the bright idea that Nightcrawler should teleport everybody out of the jet as the jet is spiraling into the ground. Nightcrawler says, I've never ported this many, but he manages to do it. Mm-hmm. Of course, and the plane crashes, and we don't actually see Angel die, but, I mean, you know, the signs are there. Uh, I'm guessing that Angel didn't die. Um, yeah, well, maybe. We'll talk, yeah, I don't know. I'll have a th- not a not a not a crazy theory on that, but, but anyways, for, yep. for all of these X Men films, it's it's irrelevant. He might show up later. He might not. <laughs> the, the you sh- never you never really know. Well, right. Um, since we didn't see him die, he could come back. And even if we did see him die, he could come back. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we get a scene where Quicksilver gets the jump on Apocalypse by slowing, like not slowing down time, but we we see time again slow down to his level, and he's punching. Uh, the crap out of Apocalypse. And uh, and I like this scene because for a second I was like, oh, you're not going to let Quicksilver save the day, are you? <laughs> but then it zooms in on Apocalypse and he's like able to track Quicksilver and stop him and break his leg. And it was awesome. Yeah. Well, and that's like, you're like, oh, my God, poor Quicksilver. Like, that's his power. That's what he does. If, if, if his leg's broken, he's screwed. And then for some reason, Apocalypse asks Psylocke to quill to kill Quicksilver, even though he's standing right there. Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of sand around, <laughs> so he could easily just slice his neck open. But he's like, hey, hey Psylocke, uh, I want you to kill Quicksilver. And and she's like, okay, for convenience sake, because I'm actually mystique, I'm gonna do it. Oh. And then the audience will be surprised. Yeah. I mean, one could argue that there's enough sand for Apocalypse just to kill everybody right away. And just be yeah, I, w- I was gonna point that out too. <laughs> like that movie over <laughs> There's pretty much not a battle here because we've already seen this guy can kill people with sand and shove them all through the wall. (laughs) So I'm not sure where the actual battle here is. (laughs) Right. Why is he not using these abilities? But yes, Uh, as 
uh, Psylocke is about pulls out her sword and is about to do a ninja move onto Quicksilver. She changes trajectory and slits Apocalypse's throat. And for a second, I was like, "Oh, Psylocke changed her mind." Me too. And then she changed into Mystique, and I was like, "Oh, of course." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, Apocalypse is able to heal up his neck. Um, and we get another kind of uh, convenience plot where because Apocalypse connected to the professor earlier, the professor is now able to get into Apocalypse's head and they have a psychic battle. And I at first I was like, Ugh. <laughs> but then upon recollection, of, uh, you know, after having lived through it, I really like this scene. It was like this is our first real psychic battle. And it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It's fine. I we get we get giant apocalypse, you know, running through the mind and stuff. Yeah, mm. and that's where the trailer was a little bit misleading. Where apocalypse grows super giant, but really it's all just a it's it's uh, apocalypse turning the tides in the professor because at some point the professor's like, oh, he's on my turf now, but but then it changes. Um, the professor invites Gene into apocalypse's mind because he can do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Gene, I'm in apocalypse's mind. I've opened a door. Come on in. It's pretty warm in here. <laughs> so she does. And, and now the, the tide is going to turn yet again back towards the X-Men side. And outside, uh, Psylocke runs away and Magneto changes his mind and says, I'm not going to betray my friends anymore. Or after after Apocalypse says, you're betraying me? Well, it's, doesn't Storm also kind of like like give a puzzled look like well yeah storm is storm is the last one to change so my theory Um, with let me just back up to psylocke real quick which makes me think that there might be more with angel later on but the way they kind of had psylocke just kind of duck away uh just feels like okay at some point they're gonna bring her back uh maybe maybe as like a x-force movie maybe maybe could be you know they bring cable back for his movie and cable deadlock Psylocke, or deadlock uh, <laughs> deadpool Psylocke, and a couple of other mutants become x-force and then you got a whole new franchise yeah so that, that could work and she like she's too uh, good of a character and the character design is is too uh, visually striking to just waste that right so that again that's another th- like they haven't done in the other x-men movies i feel like this is just like another thread that they pulled out that they may or may not jump on but uh is kind of getting back to comic books which uh the marvel cinematic universe has been really good at doing and the x-men movies well, have been not good at doing okay you bring up a point that i i just I, i'm gonna i'm gonna sidetrack for a second go ahead man what works about the marvel universe is that it's a very slow build. You get you get these movies that are one-offs, but they imprint into other movies. And that is the problem with why the DC universe doesn't work as well. It's because they want to get there now. And it's the same problem with the X-Men uh, universe, which is not to the same degree because they already have a history that they can build off of. But you have a movie where you introduce Angel. You get to know this Angel guy. You really like him. Maybe two more movies down the road, he turns into... Uh, Archangel and you're like, oh, that sucks. Whereas you just get it in this movie. The guy barely talks. You don't feel anything for him. It's just supposed to be this moment where you're like, oh, cool. Archangel's in this movie. And that's the flaw of this movie. I feel like, and again, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's a good point. Uh, I feel like the producers or maybe Fox has treated every X-Men movie like it could be the last X-Men movie uh, <laughs> until Days of Future Past. And maybe even The Wolverine. I think maybe by the time The Wolverine came out, they're like, 
okay, we've got a track record. We've made a bunch of these. Some of them haven't been well received, but they all made money. So we got a future here. So that's when they started slipping in the post credit scene uh, that, that kind of you know, led you into the next movie. And to me, it feels like this is the very first movie where they're they're trying to now universe build. They're like, oh, you know, there's something about what Marvel's doing. And and you're right. You can't just do threads alone, right? You need right. these solo movies and you need to, to introduce characters and get people to like them and then and then turn it on its head so that when that happens you as the audience member have an, are now way more emotionally invested in what's happening uh, than than just Psylocke flying around with her purple sword and whip. This felt more like X-Men 1 where you had a bunch of villains. You had Magneto and you had Mystique, but then you had a bunch of people who really didn't talk much. Right. And I just, it doesn't, does it, for me, it doesn't work. Yeah. So. Your, your, your villains, and in this case, especially since these villains are actually heroes, they need to have more characterizations. Right. So Magneto changes his mind, and now there's a, a full force attack on Apocalypse coming from Cyclops, coming from Magneto, uh, all sorts of stuff. And uh, Storm sees that Meg, uh, Apocalypse is trying to kill her hero, uh, Mystique, and and that's when she eventually changes the tide. And now he's getting hit by lightning storms. And then the professor says, Gene, you gotta, you gotta lose control. You gotta, you gotta hit him where it hurts. So she kicks him in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> With the Phoenix Force. So Jean Grey goes full Phoenix. Yeah. And, uh defeats apocalypse so yeah uh disappointed definitely disappointing to to say the least this this feels like a complete misunderstanding of the character but you know yep she's not the secret weapon um she uh i really thought you know the nightmares that she was having earlier uh that were kind of premonitions of apocalypse but even the professor was like no 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 it's all inside of you you've got to control um to me felt like you know if if we do this run uh you could keep doing this uh and then we get to the phoenix movie even though we already had one which sucked uh you could try to do it again. You could try to do it better. I or, think they're going to try to do it again. Or and I feel like this was this is a build up to another Dark Phoenix. Saga. I don't think this is this is to me this is this this was not a build up. This was uh, the load has been blown right like feet full <laughs> Phoenix Force like X two in my opinion. Uh, I don't want to say they did it well, but when when you leave Alkali Lake and you get what maybe could possibly be a phoenix outline but you can't really tell because it's blurry like that's a good way to like set things up uh because you didn't know uh but this was like look phoenix bird wings you've seen this before yeah or comic book viewers have seen this before and yeah it's a total misunderstanding of the character the power Um, jean gray is not phoenix right phoenix is a completely separate entity that shows up later right or is she because I think they've rewritten that yeah, many they, times throughout it, the year. It's definitely possible that they have retconned it and Phoenix was there all along and I just don't know what I'm talking about. Right. So who knows? <laughs> Anyhow, I was, I was, I mean, I guess they had written themselves to the point of how are we going to get ourselves out of here, Phoenix Force. I don't know. I I just, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, maybe the next movie is going to be called X-Men Phoenix for all we know. And it'll be, but see, again, this, <clears throat> where x the original trilogy had it right was they did do a slow build. Um, I think they could have inserted more things in X2 and X1 about Phoenix and about Jean losing control. They never really did. Although in X2, she exerted a lot of power. 
But again, it's like X, every X-Men movie's like the last one. So they didn't want to put too much in there because they wanted right. to give you a beginning, middle, and end, and, and then away you go. I feel like with X1 and 2 and then 3, it was kind of accidental. They were just kind of planting the seeds. They weren't sure where they were going to go, but they were like, just in case we're able to do another one, let's let's plant some seeds. Yeah. So, uh yeah, okay, so Phoenix saves the day. Uh, yeah, uh, the professor gives Moira her memories back from uh, the first movie, First Class. Yeah, and instead of her being pissed, she's like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? Wouldn't she be like, you, you, you stole my memories? Well, initially she was pissed, and the professor <laughs> took that away from her in a scene that got cut. Oh, because <laughs> it's going to be like... She, it's 1962 on the beach is where he erased her memory. It is now 1983. It's been 21 years. And he's like, yeah, this happened. So here it is back. Uh, if I'm more, if I'm more, I'm like, take these away. Like I'm, I'm 40. Half of my life has passed where I haven't had these. I don't want them. You took them away from me. I don't know. I just felt like that whole, like he took the memories away. I don't even remember why he took the memories away. But um, it, it was it was a very poor choice on his part. <laughs> yeah, right. But so the, he should live with that poor choice because uh, yeah. it's like he wants his cake and he wants to eat it, too, because when he sees more, it's like, oh, he gets all befuddled English. Oh, she's, you know, making whatever. Remarks. Turns out that she's gotten married. She had a kid. It didn't work out with her husband. So she's had a life. Interestingly enough, uh, we don't get the kid's name, but well, you know, it's, it's got to be Legion, right? Again, I mean, that's another it's, thread. It's, it's it's put there just in case. Yeah, yeah, just just sitting there on the shelf in case they need to pull it down, which is fine, I guess. It's which good. is good. That's what I like. That's what I think the X Men movies do well. Yeah. So uh, Magneto and Charles, uh, I, I guess uh, Magneto and Phoenix rebuild the mansion um, in a very structurally sound way. Yeah, I had a problem with that scene, too. I'm like, <laughs> none of these people are structural engineers. Nobody knows. Like, do these people really know where the load bearing beams need to go? And can they really <laughs> finitely control their abilities to put everything together so perfectly that it doesn't just collapse? Well, one of those mutants, uh, one of those mutant students is forge <laughs> yeah we just he's just in the background yeah the professor's um, psychically giving him the blueprints from forge's head so that's <laughs> how that can be explained away yeah of course yeah yeah or maybe rogues there because why not sure uh yeah and then storms here uh she's like oh i think i might stay or i don't remember what her line is but the, i don't for me that doesn't work because from what we saw in the movies storm voluntarily joined apocalypse there well, was well you could say that some of that was mind control no you can't cuz we I'm going to I'm going to say it was yeah well then you're really looking between the lines <laughs> you got to uh, there's no redem- i guess uh, she may have sort of redempted re- gave herself redemption by Jeremy, we are being asked to accept a lot of things in this movie. (laughs) Just accept one more thing. I don't know. All right. It feels like a stretch that they would just take her back in. Not even a conversation between her and the professor. You know, cut the Cyclops scene earlier to give you back those two minutes so that you could, like, have a scene between the professor and Storm and the professor be like, oh, I feel goodness in you. Why don't you join my school, Aurora? (laughs) None of these people had names either. (laughs) They all had code names. (laughs) I mean, I guess you had Hank and and Gene and Scott, Alex. Uh, what's Quicks? They never call Quicksilver Pietro or Peter. Oh, they do. They do. They call him Peter. Do they call him Peter? Okay. Well, yeah. Storm doesn't have a name. Angel doesn't have a name. Uh, Psylocke uh, doesn't have a name. Mystique has a name. 
Caliban uh, Raven. Doesn't have Everybody name. calls him her Raven. All right. So all the characters they introduced for this movie don't have names. Uh, Nightcrawler. He does say, I'm cut. Cut the now. Yeah, he does. Just yeah. like he did in X2. Yeah. <laughs> which was a good callback. I liked it. Um, speaking of X2, Magneto and Charles have a talk and they repeat their lines verbatim from yeah. the first X-Men movie as Brian Singer pats himself on the back. Yeah. Good job, good, myself. Good job, me. <laughs> I didn't mind it. I, I didn't mind it either. It, it was it, at first. I was like, "Why does this sound so familiar?" Yeah, no, I knew it instantly. Oh, okay. Um, it was also in the trailer too, so wasn't so, too surprised. So then, um, then the movie Storm ends. points out that she knows that uh, Mystique told her that Magneto was uh, Quicksilver's father, and mm-hmm. is she is Quicksilver going to tell him? And he's like, "Yeah, not yet." Which which I liked because I don't, and I doubt they did this on purpose. But that's very that's. Very very X-Men to have like every character know something about one character except for that one character. <laughs> yes, that is straight out of the comics. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in Days of Future Past, wasn't Quicksilver watching a movie with his little sister? Yes. Yeah. We don't see that little sister. No. I, and since uh, Scarlet Witch is being used in Avengers, I can't imagine that flying in the X-Men universe. But Well, sure it could it because could. they both they both have the license and they both use Quicksilver. Yeah. And then we get our final sequence of the film, which is the X-Men in full costumes uh, for like 30 seconds fighting Sentinels in the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary podcast. And the professor closes the door and they all get killed. (laughs) (laughs) Just like that. Uh, Yeah. And I was uh, it was fine, uh, but I was a little disappointed. I felt like. With the Mystique costume and with all of the success that the Avengers would have, that they would finally, like, put the characters in their costumes. Like, give Nightcrawler his costume, but they didn't. They gave him, like, red stripes. Yeah. They're black. You can argue that the, 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 the costumes in the Avengers are very close to the costumes in the comics, but they're not. They've been they've been a little bit tightened up. Well, yeah, you have to. For, I mean, you can't do exactly in the comics in the movie. It just doesn't translate right. But they got so all I, the I was very happy to see Mystique in her her you know costume that actually had some white in it, and it beat her being naked all the time. <laughs> Something and, I've never uh, understood about that character. <laughs> and um, you know, it was good to see Cyclops and everybody in their in their actual costumes. Uh, what was disappointing to me was that it was kind of like at the same time it was like here you go. It was kind of like. And that's all you get. Screw off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, two and a half hours had passed. So, I mean, obviously they're they're closing one door, but opening up another one, right? This this really was, if you think about it, X-Men 0.5, because the next one's going to be the X-Men. Because they made a big deal about how uh, they the professor wanted to teach, uh, but not he didn't want to train an army. But now they were basically training for war. Right. And so now they're going to become a fighting team. So this this could lead right into the X-Men, which would effectively be, I guess, a remake of the original X-Men, but with different characters. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you got Storm, you got Cyclops. Uh, who, who else was in a gene? Uh, and then due to the whole Days of Future Past, Nightcrawler just got inserted earlier. I can accept all that. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, okay, so the credits roll. That's great. I stick around for the final uh, thing, the, the, the teaser at the end of the movie, because I, I know there's got to be one. They've done everything else. Yeah, of course. You know, with the threads and everything. And there is a teaser, and uh, I had to look it up. I was like, what the hell is happening? 
Yeah, it was kind of like Essex Corporation. What's that? So if you haven't seen it, if you missed it, uh, uh, it's not great. It's probably the worst teaser I've seen. <laughs> um, but it's it's somebody grabs the Weapon X blood sample or DNA sample and a couple of other DNA samples, puts it into a suitcase labeled Essex Corp, closes the the briefcase and walks off. And the, the code, if I'm not mistaken, is 347. And I don't know if that means anything. Oh, I didn't even <laughs> notice that. I think it's 347 anyways. Now, this this was a very obscure reference that most people would have to look up, I imagine. I, did you get it right away? Oh, of course not. Yeah. So, I mean, not I that... Have, not I, I, I couldn't tell you what his real name is. Not that you and I are super fans, but we, we, know, we know more than 50% of the population that went to go see that movie. Well, here's the thing. Is Essex Corporation a real thing or is that just something that they created because they want Nathaniel Essex to have a corporation? That I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that Mr. Sinister uh, has a corporation. I don't think he has any need (laughs) of a corporation. Um, It, Yeah, I don't know. It'll be if if that's truly I mean, they're going to call it like X-Men Mr. Sinister. Because that'll be stupid. Uh, or were they going to call it like X-Men Sinister or I don't know. But the, I guess what it's saying is that the next movie's going to be Mr. Sinister. Get used to it. And supposedly uh, Brian Singer is going to take some time off and not do the next one. So. Which makes me happy. I don't know. <laughs> he did that for X-Men The Last Stand. Uh, that's true. But I think he's said his piece and I'm, I'm, I'm tired of. I don't want any more Brian Singer X-Men movies. I just don't want them. Didn't he go do like the Man of Steel or something instead of X-Men 3? And he did. He did um, Superman Returns. Superman Returns, not Man of Steel. but Which I, honestly was not a terrible movie. It was better than the, uh, the current Superman movies. And yeah, that's true. It, it, it definitely got, was. It got a pretty bad rap for some reason. I watched that movie and I was like, this just feels like a remake of Christopher Reeves and uh, uh, what's her name, Lois Lane. Like they look the same. They're doing the same things. I'm okay. Well, with it was this. a it was a sequel to those movies, and though they were supposed to be the same characters. Yeah, I was okay with all of that, but yeah, apparently, I was too. Apparently, the internet hated it, so they had to reboot it and make it dark. <laughs> Didn't make enough money. <sighs> Anyways, yeah, uh, I guess yeah. I don't care who takes on the reins. Um, yeah, I don't know. So there we go. Let's 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 uh, surmise. I mean, uh, I, I think. Tell any- me about your timeline. Well, let, let's, I think anybody listening to this podcast probably thinks that you and I hated this movie. We've been um, very critical, and we haven't really given it that many uh, kudos. Okay. okay. <laughs> so um, not that we have to defend it or anything, uh, but I, I guess all of that being said, um, like I said, like I, 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 I saw the $5 showing of the movie, right? So cheaped out there. So for, for the $5 I spent... Uh, <laughs> I was good. Um, I went to the wrong showing and I ended up seeing it at the, uh, was it $15 theater? Whoa, well, that, I might have been, I don't know. It was in, it was in the, the extra cushy seats with the extra loud. The trailers were so loud that I literally was like, if the movie's like this, I have to leave. Oh, Luckily, the, the movie was not like that. The theater that we've got, we've got recliners and you can bring your beer in. Although, so the reason it was $5 because I saw it. Uh, at nine thirty in the morning. After ah. that, it goes to twelve fifty. But, anyways, uh, money aside, um, I again left the movie like, yeah, that was okay. Like, I appreciated, you know, the threads that they opened. I 
you know, had definitely had a lot of problems with some of the characterizations, but I thought I thought Nightcrawler made up for it. I thought they did enough with Cyclops to make his entry into the movie worthwhile. But I mean, the comparison is everything else that Cyclops has been in. And I got to be honest, his portrayal and his usage in this movie uh, was more than any of the other movies that they've had Cyclops in, in my opinion. Now, yeah. <laughs> now, Gene, on the other hand, I just, I can't get Sansa Stark out of my mind. Yeah, I feel like they cast her because she's Sansa Stark. I and, thought and, they were just like, we need somebody who's got red hair and who is famous or yeah, is on maybe. the rise or whatever. I, she did fine. Uh, yeah, she wasn't, she wasn't bad. She's not, I guess she's not my Gene Grey, but neither is, is Famke Jansen either. Uh, well, somebody asked me this today, and I didn't have an answer. I don't have an answer either, Adam. Yeah, who would you cast as? Gene I don't Grey? know. I really don't know. It'd have to be if if I'm the casting director. I probably. I mean, obviously, I, I pull a. I, I put a thing out that says, you know, looking for five five to five nine, good build, red hair, red long hair. Uh, show you me. Can't what you do got. Emma Stone because she's no. already done Gwen. No, it wouldn't Gwen be Stacey. Emma Stone. Wouldn't be mine. Uh, who Who was the woman that played uh, Mary Jane in Spider Man? Um, Kristen, Kristen Dunst. Yeah, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be her. Uh, oh, okay. So in all of, uh, history, <laughs> oh, is there anybody? Molly Ringwald. No, I don't know. Like <laughs> all I can do is come up with like famous redheads and I, I you know, I can't really come up with all that many. Uh, to me, it would probably be an unknown. It would be, I don't know. I guess I just don't know what Jean Grey sounds like, but the two characters that they've had portray her don't sound like her in my, in what I, imagine her sounding like i don't know if that makes mm. any sense i don't know that's a tough one i really don't know who i'd cast but honestly none of the people that they've cast for cyclops have been my cyclops either yeah this guy i didn't really care for i mean he did an adequate job um and i, I give him the benefit of the doubt i guess you know throughout all of x-men cinematic universe casting uh anna paquin rogue was great wolverine magneto uh, Patrick Stewart's really? professor. Anna Paquin was great. I mean, she was good for the time she when was, we didn't have, we, when we didn't necessarily need screen accurate portrayals. But I feel like nowadays, if they were going to do Rogue, I want to see Power Set Rogue with flying and all the sugar and all that stuff. Yeah, I guess. And I would not cast Anna Paquin for I that. Guess, I guess. I have um, a nostalgia for that movie because it existed in a world where no X-Men existed uh, and it was it did well. So maybe maybe you're right, Adam. Maybe if I were to watch that. No, I, I watch that with my whenever I put that movie in, which isn't all that often. But when I put it in, I watch it with my 2000 eyes. Like it's like, yeah, this is great. Oh, my God. There's Wolverine. There's Rogue. So, all right, maybe that's not spot on casting, but uh, your three main characters, right? At least in my opinion, have been uh, good casting. Okay. But everybody else um, is either adequate or just not what I envision in my mind's eye. But again, I mean, I don't know. The guy that they, well, you know, they do a pretty good job in the Marvel Cinematic Universe of getting the right people to play those characters. But, you know, maybe it's because I'm not as big a fan of those movies. So anybody they give me that, you know, if Thor has muscles and long blonde hair, he's Thor. Yeah. And if Captain America's tall buff and has blonde hair, he's Captain you, America. You have more of an investment in these characters. I think I think that's it. Because I look at the Doctor Strange trailer and I'm like, sure, that guy could be Doctor Strange. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, maybe there's some hardcore Doctor Strange fans that are like, really, you're going to give it to Khan? Or, <laughs> or what was what else was he in? He was in uh, Sherlock or something. 
Yeah. Anyhow, uh, so I didn't hate it. What about you, Adam? You want to summarize? No, I didn't. I didn't hate it either. I, I I thought it was a good film. I thought it was. Uh, I didn't think it was a great film. Um, like I said, it, it it I liked a lot of it. I liked a lot of parts. I don't. I liked the the whole less, but I didn't dislike it. Um, I'm sort of ambivalent about the whole thing. I enjoyed it while I was there, and um, you know, it's probably not going to live with me. Oh, well probably watch it again oh let's do the the the, the, lit, the litmus test it comes on tv yeah. do you watch it yeah yeah if any of these come on tv i probably watch it even if it's uh, x-men origins wolverine really? and then I, and I and i probably i finish... would only watch x-men origins wolverine now to figure out what the differences are <laughs> i probably watch it and i get to the end and be like god yeah that, that was not good <laughs> the jacket scene was kind of good but everything else sucked <laughs> Uh, anyway, origin of Wolverine's jacket. <laughs> Timeline. Uh, so I, when I watched the Apocalypse movie, I started thinking about the timeline. Now we know that there's a split in the timelines, just like there is in uh, the comic book. So I'm I'm all fine with this, and, and and audience goers are certainly okay with it. They got it through Star Trek, so they're dealing with that. Um, so this is not unheard of. Um, but I started thinking to myself, like, okay, even if you know X. I wanted to start getting like, you know, how old was Cyclops at this time frame or how old was Gene at this time frame? Because I'm like, it's all screwed up. The, the characters would be wouldn't even be born when this movie came out or they'd be too old when they actually did appear. So I started putting first of all, I looked for a timeline and there are uh, some out there, but I found them to be very confusing and have way too much detail. Uh, or or the graphic was too small and I couldn't tell what was going on. So then I fell down the rabbit hole of like, I'm going to make my own. So I did. <laughs> uh, I found a couple of really good websites. Uh, and again, you can go out to facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Images sitting there right now. And what I did was I just took the movie posters and a few little factoids about each of those movies and put it on a line and then created a split, of course, where Days of Future Past is to kind of show where things happen because uh, – you say that three of these movies never happened, but parts of them did because there's parts in uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine that happened prior to um, X-Men Days of Future Past. Same thing with X-Men United. The, the movies that don't exist, based on my timeline anyways, are uh, X2, um, X-Men The Last Stand, The Wolverine. There's bits and pieces of all the other movies that happened prior to 1973 uh, in the Days of Future split off. But that's not even the point. The point is, is like as I was thinking about how screwed up everybody's ages are, I started putting this together. And what I found was like whoever's kind of maybe running or producing or whatever has actually paid attention. Like things that may have happened in 1986 have been backed up to 1983. Things that happened in 1973 might have happened in 1979. But they basically kind of flow. They kind of chart along. Uh, with what happened as portrayed in the movies. Hmm. So I thought That's that was... surprising. Yeah, it's very surprising. And there's websites that I have listed in the image that actually go into way further detail. You know, all of the like the credit sequence in Days of Future Past where they're talking about all the experiments and stuff. Like that mm-hmm. exists in somebody's lineage. Dr. Trask invents this. And it's like, I don't I don't want that on my timeline. I just want like major <laughs> plot points. Like, you know, the, the scene of Magneto at, at Auschwitz. Uh, Jean Grey being met by the professor and Magneto for the first time, uh, et cetera. Uh, so surprisingly, the timeline's pretty interesting and, okay. and, and kind of works. And so somebody was paying attention and not just writing things, which is surprising. You're, you're going to post this to the Facebook? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, take a look at it. Um, 
I, I, I'm pretty happy. If you've got comments, if you've got feedback, if you think I'm a little bit wrong on something, let me know. I mean, a lot of this you have to kind of uh, extrapolate based on other events. Like, I don't know that anywhere it says 1986 Magneto and Jean Grey. Uh, Magneto and the Professor recruit Jean Grey, but there's like extrapolations based on the time frame of X-Men 3. There's also a discrepancy between X-Men 1 and X-Men 2. Both websites that I found say that those movies take place one month apart, but both of them, one of them says that both movies take place in 1994, and the other website says both movies take place in 2003. But <laughs> but nothing takes place in between that in terms of the movies, so I was like, eh, it doesn't matter. So I put both the dates on the line. You, you, you decide. 1994, 2003, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, those films don't exist anymore anyway. Uh, except for the, the intro scene of Magneto, which I guess was Where? was taken for first class. So in that little slot, you'll see there's a split between first class and uh, X-Men 1. But I also, then as I was putting this together, I was like, you know what would be, you know be like a super fan thing to do is take all of the scenes and like edit them <laughs> together in a linear fashion and create like a 14-hour movie. Totally. You could do a chronological... X-Men movie and I'm sure somebody's already done it. <laughs> and if you if you have send me the link and if you haven't do it and then send me the link. But there there are like there are so many fan films out there right now. There are websites dedicated to people's edits of fan films. Oh yeah, I've seen like, um, like the fan edits of Star Wars and I've seen there's some fan edits that supposedly make uh Star Wars episode 2 better. I don't but know. There, how. You you watch the you watch the series Lost? And I never watched that, no. Oh, you never watched it. There are fan edits that take season 1 and season 2 and edit them into a 2 and a 2 hour movie. So you have season 1 is down edited down from 24 hours to 1 hour or two, uh, 2 hours rather and it becomes a movie. Um there was I I actually watched a chronological re-editing of the entire series of Lost. Which, uh, if if you're familiar at all with the show, is quite an endeavor. Yeah, but I bet you it's probably better that way. No, it's not better. Oh, <laughs> okay. It's, it's but it's interesting. It's definitely okay. just as interesting. Um, if you watch it that way, it kind of takes out most of the power of the show. Sure. Um, but it's 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 compelling if you've already seen the show. So uh, there you go. Um, uh, that's that's all I got to say about the timeline. Based on the new continuity, you basically have X-Men Apocalypse is part of new continuity. I put Deadpool in there. And, and we could all start talking about Wade Wilson, but I, I think, this is my theory, is uh, he exists in the old timeline because he was part of uh, Team X, which was an X-Men Origins Wolverine, which also took place in 1973. Potentially could have taken place after Days of Future Past, but... We do see Wolverine waking up in a hotel, but <clears throat> in any event, my theory is there are two people named Wade Wilson that called themselves Deadpool that happened to look identical, but they were two <laughs> different people. That, okay. That, so there was that other guy, and then there was the Deadpool, like the right Deadpool. So, And then the other discrepancy I had was uh, Colossus. Like we've seen Colossus in the old continuity uh, as kind of thin and muscly, but then we saw CGI colossus in deadpool which was way cooler i thought other than the cab scene like why didn't he just turn back into peter rasputin didn't make any sense um but uh i ripple effects butterfly like because of days of future past uh that caused peter's um mutation to go about differently and he became bigger so yeah i feel good about that my theory is that the the current three films were as they were initially meant to be a reboot and so the the latter three films exist 
completely separately. They, and, they do based on the timeline. I mean, there's there's nothing that happens in those that occurred before Days of Future Past, which, again, tells me that they were paying attention when they started writing these time frames, I yeah. think. Or they got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I uh, they they ended up not being exact reboots, but for all intents and purposes, for me, they're just uh, it's just a reboot. Yeah, no, and, they took and, the original series and they rebooted it, and they brought back some of the same uh, original actors. I don't disagree with that at all, and I think that's maybe kind of the fun in this is that you can you can you can view it that way. You can say, okay, there was X Men one, two, and three, and those exist on their own, and now there's First Class Days of Future Past and X Men Apocalypse, which is a new trilogy, total reboot. Like they they you know they they don't have to belong. It's kind of cool that they do. Or you can like take a look at this timeline and be like, oh, okay, like I, I can buy this. I can get behind this. So I don't know. For anal retentive timeline, <laughs> I mean, come on. When we do the podcast, the commentary podcast, I'm always the guy that's like, but what about and this continuity and that continuity? So there's a there's a, we exist. But then there's other people that are like, man, nah, it's just fantasy. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I will, I will check out this timeline, and I'm very curious to see what it looks like, actually. So to finish this thing off here, what do you think? Well, there's two things that that are going to happen in the future, right? We're going to get another X-Men movie, but we're also going to get a, a Gambit movie. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> and we're going to get a Deadpool sequel with presumably Cable. Right. So the the. The Deadpool. Well, that's that's the other thing that I, I kind of want to do. So I've got this timeline saved in a Photoshop file so that I can keep modifying and editing it because I'm really curious, like, how are they going to do Cable? Are they going to bring him back from the future? I would imagine so. And then, you know, when the movie starts, it's going to say Earth 2066 or, or whatever. So then is it going to be is it going to be from the what are they going to do with it? Are they going to play with it? Is it going to be like the original continuity cable coming back to the alternate continuity? Is it an alternate continuity coming back to this continuity? Or is cable is it going to are they going to cheat and is cable just going to be a guy who shows up and there's no time travel? I think <laughs> my feeling is that cable is going to be part of the Deadpool universe and it's all going to be very silly. So does Deadpool exist in the X Men's universe? Uh, yes ish. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Definitely. Okay, so Deadpool 2 will be silly, of course, because it's, it's going to be Deadpool. And, and I would imagine that Cable will play the straight character, and together they will have uh, action and comedic gold. But I have to imagine that they're also trying to build themselves towards an X Force movie, don't you think? I think they will go wherever they can, they think they can make money. Yeah, okay. I mean, I've heard talk about X Force, I've heard talk about New Mutants. I've, you know, you hear a lot of talk. Yeah. And I think what ends up happening is they go where the money leads them. And right now the money is leading them to Deadpool. Deadpool, Deadpool, Deadpool. It's like the the highest grossing R-rated superhero film of all time. And we've got Wolverine 3 coming up, which they've announced is what? Going to have an R rating as well? Yeah, who cares? (laughs) So we've already talked about Wolverine. We're thinking Old Man Logan. And neither of us are very excited for that. You can't do Old Man Logan not set in the Marvel Universe. It's just dumb. Well, I mean... What you could do, though, is you could have a great Wolverine and Jubilee adventure. And then you just say, like, the Weapon X stuff, it, that just happens in Apocalypse, and this is, like, doesn't matter, it's 2017, here's Wolverine and Jubilee having an adventure. Yeah. Or, or whatever time period, doesn't matter. There are good Wolverine mm-hmm. stories out there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's do, uh, we'll, we'll, re- we'll remake Wolverine and Kitty Pride, but we'll make Jubilee the, the center character. Hmm. Yeah. Or, or, I don't know, maybe there's something else. There's probably other... Uh, you, huh. 
I wonder if there's a way that they could do it where it's like passing the torch, right? Like you could do like the Wolverine and Kitty Pride, where a character could be Kitty Pride, could be Jubilee. Somebody goes to Japan and then Uncle Wolverine comes and and saves her, mentors her, and you know, builds a really great character out of that movie. And then that character, because I mean, this is Hugh Jackman's supposedly last Wolverine movie, right? So that really begs the question, what are they going to do? Are they going to recast Wolverine or are they going to retire Wolverine from the X-Men franchise? Well, um, I can't imagine they would retire him completely because they are still probably a lot of money to be made. I mean, they've made two terrible Wolverine movies so far and they've made a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, terrible doesn't mean that they stop making them. <laughs> right. Terrible exactly. that makes money means they just keep making terrible movies. Like we keep going to them. So I imagine they will. I, I Here's what. It, okay. I think what they're going to do based on what's been going on with reboots and stuff lately is they will cast a young Wolverine and they'll do like young Wolverine adventures. And then maybe they'll thrust him forward into the future and he'll meet up with the X-Men. <laughs> so like Han Solo stories for the exactly. start? Like, so these would be movies that would take place in the 50s or? Just the, just maybe the first 30 minutes of the first one does. Okay. <laughs> and then they just shoot him forward into the future and he can mesh with the timelines or, or not. They don't really care at Fox. So Wolverine becomes kind of like a James Bond character where he just... He gets a new actor every 20 or so years. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it's just, just speculation. I, I can't imagine that they would recast Wolverine as he is now and expect it to do well, unless they get somebody who's really good. That's going to be super tough. I mean, you got to admit, uh, even though those Wolverine movies have not been good, uh, I mean, Hugh Jackman's done a really great Wolverine portrayal. So he's he's not the problem with the Wolverine movies. Finding a replacement for him is going to be uh, really hard. Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah. So we get we get the Wolverine, the last Wolverine movie, which we're not looking forward to. A Gambit movie, which which uh, also seems to be very meh on the scale of of excitement. Yeah, I've kind of warmed up a little bit on on the Channing Tatum scale, but not really. I don't. I just. I just don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I've gone from hating him to not minding him. I guess, you know, from a character perspective, in terms of popularity, he's probably next in line beyond Wolverine, I guess. But I mean, the average person on the street doesn't know who Gambit is. So I don't know. It, yeah, I don't know. And then, of course, we've already talked about it, but is there a definitive Gambit story that they can pull from? Is he. There's, I imagine there is. I don't know what it is. Neither do I. So, uh, and then, uh, of course, we've got X Men uh, Four, I guess, or New X Men Four, or X Men One, however you want to look at it. Whatever comes after X Men Apocalypse, uh, and we 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 seem to have a team, right? The team that so that that I mean, uh, um, Mystique was there, so I guess that means that maybe she's got to come back, or do you think they end up recasting Mystique? Uh, or do 10 uh, years pass and, like, a couple of them are just no longer there? Like, oh, yeah, man, remember what happened to Mystique? Like, what I've heard is that they're doing the decades thing. So we have the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and the next one will take place in the 90s. Which, again, going back to the timeline, makes total sense. Because if you believe the one webpage, X-Men 1 took place in 1994. So logically, we went from 73 to 83, 93, 94 would fall right in line with how the movies fell. Yeah. Not that it matters. But, um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I... It, 
So Mystique's good in this timeline, I guess. Or maybe uh, 10 years has passed and, and you could have that scene where it's like, well, remember how mad you made Mystique and she left? That wasn't very nice of you, Professor. You know, Mystique's really easy to recast. All you need to do is get another actress and just say, I like this look now. And then um, you have her be blue most of the movie. Uh, just make her CGI. I don't even care. And then you have Jennifer, what's her face, do a cameo. Do a cameo saying like, oh, you like me like this? Well, it's the 90s. <laughs> yeah. I'm punk or, or alternative. Green Day. <laughs> it needs oh. to be a Dazzler movie. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. And then the Mr. Sinister stuff. Like, how do you, like, I, I guess Mr. Nathaniel Essex, isn't he time traveling Scott and Gene's son? Or is that, then that's Cable. Where does, how does, how? Uh, Mr. Sinister, I believe, was uh, given powers by Apocalypse. Okay. Um, but, but I'm not really sure what his powers are. Me neither. I mean, my only knowledge of him, again, is from, from the X-Men. When we first meet him, and he kind of shows up. He's, he's mysterious. He's got his marauders. That's where we meet Sabretooth and uh, Vertigo and all those folks. But he just seems to be kind of like he's got a master plan and he just kind of seems to run things from the back. Uh, and it's not until much, much later where he actually faces the uh, X-Men and maybe X-Factor at the same time. I can't remember. Yeah, he has a lot to do with Gene Grey clones, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. As actually has been kind of revealed in classic X-Men. Cloning, cloning like, I guess, yeah, so... I guess it would fit that the Essex Corp is into DNA splicing. Okay, so... Well, the whole, like, initially before I realized or before I read online who Essex was, I saw the Weapon X vial of blood mm -hmm. and I thought, ah, Weapon X program, this, this could tie nicely into Deadpool mm. because Deadpool was part of the Weapon X program. So I thought maybe that was the direction they were going in. And reading speculation online, it's all over the place. They talk about Deadpool, they talk about Cable, they talk about, you know, Mr. Sinister's connection to uh, all sorts of characters, Madeline Pryor. Yeah, so yeah. It's they're not going to do Madeline Pryor. There's, that's just too much. You got to get more of a relationship in foundation for Gene and Cyclops before you can introduce a Madeline Pryor. What do you like they did with Angel? <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, okay, here's 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 my prediction. Um, my prediction is that the vials, the Weapon X vials, and the other random DNA were taken to Essex Corporation, which is run by Nathaniel Essex, who is also Mr. Sinister, who wants to create a clone of one of the most successful Weapon Xs, Wolverine, and ends up creating X-23. So you get X-23, uh, and you get Phoenix, and you get uh, Mr. Sinister, you get the X-Men that we saw, and it's a big mess. <laughs> That's, and it makes millions of dollars, and it and it goes on to 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 create more movies. So, and that solves the Hugh Jackman conundrum because now we'll just cast a young girl as the new Wolverine. Do you think that's good enough? Mm, no, but you know, huh? Or it'll, it'll at least uh, at least solves the problem temporarily. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. They could do something with that. They could have the Wolverine be his exit. So, right, new continuity. You put the Wolverine movie at 1990, 1989 or whatever, uh, which somehow becomes Old Man Logan storyline. Maybe he's not old. Uh, and he dies at the end of the movie. Heroically dies, even though he can't die because he's got his healing factor. But they figure out a way to die. But in X-Men, uh, Essex or Sinister, 
with the clone vials, they clone a new Wolverine who looks different but has the same hair and the claws. And right. no X-23 because X-23 is probably a bit too obscure for the average moviegoer. Although Jubilee is pretty exclusive. They introduced Dakin. <laughs> Who's that? Wolverine's son. Oh, he didn't go very far, did he? Um, he's, I mean, well, he, he, I, he got killed, but I oh. think they already brought him back. So, so there, I've, I've, re- I've already revised my prediction. <laughs> That's Wolf- Wolverine gets rebooted in X-Men, Mr. Sinister. And then Phoenix, I, Phoenix stuff happens too. My prediction is that they're going to do some research into what the fans are most into right now. And they'll pull some elements from here, from column A, from column C, and they'll put together a movie. And it will remind us of some things, but not follow anything that we recall. <laughs> so I wonder, I wonder if Avengers fans feel that way. Like, I'm not a big Avengers fan. I don't know really the continuity of it. You know more than I do, just uh, based on the Beast readings that you've done from the Avengers. But I wonder if they watch those movies and they're like, nah, this never happened. Maybe. <laughs> Although, I mean, I read the Civil War run and... Civil War is just too big of a story to do in one movie. Oh, we could do a whole podcast about the Civil War movie versus the Civil War graphic novel. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if you start comparing the Civil War movie to the Civil War graphic novel, then the movie falls really short. Oh, yeah. yeah. And when no, we're not going to do that one. No, we're not going to. <laughs> so there you have it, everybody. Uh, I, I feel like uh, we've covered enough. Our review is almost as long as the movie. It's after midnight in Buffalo. Yeah. So uh, any... Any closing thoughts, Adam? Still haven't decided. Guess I should go see it again. <laughs> Give them some more money and then maybe you'll like it more. <laughs> uh, yeah, I stick by my original thoughts. It's better than both Wolverine movies and X-Men The Last Stand. But it's was, got what's a your lot favorite, of flaws. What's your favorite X-Men movie? Is it still X2? No, I think Days of Future Past. Yeah, me too. Like really, like that's, I think. That's the bar. The, that's their crowning achievement and probably will be their crowning achievement. Um, X2 was my favorite, uh, but with everything else that we've seen and everything else that's been released, when you go back and rewatch X2, uh, it it doesn't – it's it's too long. So, okay. But it, I like it. It's good. I mean it, it was – I don't know. It's good for its time, I guess. But of the six X-Men movies – I rate the first one would be Days of Future Past. The next one would be X1. And then I'd probably put this one. Really? Uh, you think this is better than X2? Yeah, I didn't wow. like X2. Yeah, I know. Then I'd probably do First Class, and then I'd do X2, and then I'd do X3. All right, all right. I, this is probably going to be a very similar order. Um, Days of Future Past, uh, X1 because of the nostalgia, X2, First Class, Apocalypse, and then Last Stand. So I liked it more than you. Yeah, but I think I've got the nostalgia of X1 and X2, and I was totally blindsided by how entertaining First Class was. <laughs> right? I like when, when that trailer launched, and I was like, what the? These aren't the... I don't know any of these people, except for, you know, <laughs> this doesn't look right at all. But then when we when we watched it, I was like, this is pretty entertaining. Even though if you go back and listen to that review, I think it sounds like we didn't like it. The other thing that... Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's the one thing you've learned, you can learn is that no matter what we review, it always sounds like we don't like it. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the other last observation I have is that the release cycle for these movies is getting shorter and shorter. There used to be three to two years between these movies. Uh, and now like there there's wasn't Days of Future Past. Wasn't that 2015 or was that 2014? I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter. But like we've had a Deadpool in there and, and this act like the, the, the release cycles for these movies is shortening and we're going to supposedly have a Deadpool movie in 2017. I don't know what Gambit is. 
that's probably late 2017. And I guess I would say Mr. Sinister is probably going to be 2018. Would be my guess. I don't know these things. Maybe it's 2019. But I think there are charts out there that already map out when they're releasing all of these movies. Yeah. So look it up online. It's probably very close to one every year. Maybe even one every yeah. month. They're trying to compete. And and make some of that Marvel money. They're Gotta never do it before the superhero fatigue sets in. It's, I feel like it's getting there because now <laughs> the you got Civil War and Days of Future Past, which really elevated the bar. Um, Avengers two, pretty good. One was great. I think superhero fatigue is here. Just nobody realizes it yet. I'm starting to feel it. I'm a little worried about. Um, well, I mean, the the. Uh, Marvel continues to just hit home runs, and at some point they're going to whiff. And I don't know if it's going to be on Doctor Strange. Uh, I don't know. They're already talking about uh, maybe they shelved the Inhumans movie, but they're trying to work the Guardians of the Galaxy magic into the Inhumans. Uh, Avengers 3, maybe they put too much stuff into it and it falls apart. I don't know. But you're right. There's a there's a crap ton of big budget superhero movies, and it's it's kind of the only thing that brings people to the theater now is to see the giant spectacle on the on the screen. And at some point, that bubble will burst, and uh, we will no longer get these movies. And where's DC going to be? They're going to be like, ah, oh, damn it, we Justice League is done. Doesn't anybody want to see it? Oh, the bubble. Sorry, Wonder Next Woman. Next year, Marvel has. Thor and Spider-Man, the big ones. Yeah. Uh, and, there, and there might be another Guardians. And I, I think you're right. They canned Inhumans. Spider-Man, I think, will be good. I mean, they picked a really good character. They gave his origins done. They don't have to do that at this point. Right. And then uh, Thor, I don't know. I guess I've heard that it's supposed to be the best Hulk movie you've ever seen. That's what I heard as well. <laughs> um, because... I don't know how well Thor 2 did in theater, but I've tried watching it like twice and I just can't get through it. And I think, I don't know if it's just, maybe it's not a good movie or I just don't care at all about Thor. Mm, yeah. So. He's so handsome though. <laughs> he's, and I love, uh, the, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's great in everything he does. It's, so it's not him. It's just like, as soon as they get to Asgard and do Asgardian stuff, I'm like, I just don't care about any of this. <laughs> Can somebody go to Earth? And, and Natalie something? Portman, she's probably not going to return, but she's so cute. Yeah, she is cute. So. All right, everybody. I think that'll put a, put a nail in this coffin here. So what'd you think of the new Star Wars? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't care. I really don't care. There's no new Star Wars, is there? What new Star Wars? I don't know. I was just trying to be keep, annoying. Keep it going. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Stay tuned, everybody. Until next time, my name's Adam. And my name's Jeremy. And this danger room is closed.